Welcome to Air It Out, a spiritual bootcamp podcast. I'm your host, Emery Oliver. In today's episode, we're doing a spiritual healing. For those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, that means that I use my psychic mediumship abilities to tune into guides, gods, spirits, whatever, to help my guests work through one of their problems. So on today's episode, we've got Joanna. Hello. Hi. And we've also got Nick, our um, producer and my stoic husband. Hello. (laughs) So, Joanna, thank you for coming on. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about your fear issues and kind of how they manifest in your world so we can dig into how how to get past that. Okay. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, so basically, it's just, uh, I feel like it's kind of something that started and, you know, maybe that's been happening all along, but has gotten significantly worse over the like last seven years. There were some things that happened in my life that kind of felt like a blow to my self-esteem and that kind of thing. And I think I've had a hard time recovering from that. And then also some significant loss of, you know, loved ones, uh, super close loved ones, this most significant loss that I've, I've had so far. And then ever since then, um, it's gotten way worse. Like, uh, to the point where I just feel super stuck and in a negative cycle of self-sabotage, I would say, where I'm just not really function functioning on the level that I want to be or that I know is possible. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm first of all, I'm sorry about all the grief that you went through. That's that's enough to take most people down in all honesty. Thank you. Um, but give yourself some, some compassion, right. And, and some empathy for what you've been through because it's, it's hard, you know, it's very hard to push through and succeed when you're just being bombarded by life's bullshit. Yeah. So in case no one's ever told you, or in case no one's told you recently, you're actually doing a really great job. All right. You, you came on this podcast, like that's, you're doing a great job. Thank you. That makes me feel a little bit better. At least give yourself some credit for that. (laughs) Yeah, you should. You know, someone who's who's really struggling with self-sabotage wouldn't be coming on to this. <laughs> There's no way they'd be caught dead on this, actually. So, True. yeah. So what I'm kind of getting is that you have this fear of, like, life's just always going to be miserable like this. Right. Is that? Y- yeah. Right. And so because you're kind of stuck in that headspace, that's kind of all you see. Uh-huh. So I think that's a fairly common issue for a lot of people, especially when you've gone through kind of the ringer like you have to just get to this point where you're like, like, what, what is the point of this? Because no matter how hard I try or no matter what I do, like, I just can't fucking get ahead and I'm just sick of it. Oh, yeah. So that's where I was at back in, in, in 2020, right? That, that's what led me to almost unaliving myself. Um, and for those of you who listen to the podcast, I say unalive because I post clips on TikTok and they don't allow you to say suicide. <laughs> so just in case anyone's like, that's a stupid word. Why are you using that? That's why. 
But that's where I got to um, back in 2020. And it, and it was really like a reckoning for me, right? Because at the point that you don't see the purpose in living anymore and that you just think that life is just nothing but suffering and misery, it becomes suffering, suffering and misery even when you have things to be grateful for, right? So like I had a roof over my head, a beautiful roof over my head in the middle of the mountains. And I had a husband of my dreams and I had these dogs that I love more than anything. And like, I just couldn't see any of that because all I could see was all of the negative shit in my world. Right. And I, and it's very hard to get out of that cycle, right? Because if you look at the things in your world that you do have, you actually do have a lot to be grateful for. You know, most of us do at least. Of course. But when you're in the middle of that storm, it's very hard to see those things because literally your whole, your brain's like, your brain is literally attuned to where are the problems because I need to fix them. Right. Like biologically, your brain's looking at that. Right. And so for you, this is going to have to be like a shift in perspective that happens and and probably over a significant amount of time. Okay. So I think where I want to start with that. Did you um did you get bullied when you were a kid? Like, I don't know why they're showing me you on a school bus. Um not not on a regular basis but i think that um actually I'm sure i think there were at least some incidents i think i actually kind of know what this is so okay. they're showing me you on the school bus and just like in a very anxious form like you were just very anxious like you know probably I kind of feel like there was a lot of pressure on you to succeed when you were younger. Is that an accurate statement? Um, I don't know. You know, to be honest, my childhood is blurry. Um, so if I say, if I say, I don't know, it doesn't mean it's not true. It's just like me trying to like pull up some stuff that I haven't thought about uh, in a long time and that I probably compartmentalized or, or just my memory sucks. I don't know. But um, I I don't think that I was so much a lot of pressure on me to succeed or anything like that. I was always really good at school and, and very, you know, smart as a child. I was in all the gifted programs. So Okay, that's what I'm picking and, up on. Okay, because that all came very natural to me. I didn't really even have to pay attention in class and I could pass all the tests. Okay. Oh. Okay. So this this scene on the bus that they're showing me is you just like being super anxious about getting to school. And I thought like maybe it was because you had a test or something along those lines. But now kind of what I'm getting out of it is you actually had like a presentation and you were anxious because you were scared of what people were going to think of you. Like like I'm getting that you've always kind of had an issue with worrying about what others think of you. My worrying about what other people think about me and also just kind of self-esteem in general is that I've had severe psoriasis most of my life. And so that's given me a major feeling of anxious, self-conscious, et cetera. Yeah, that's what I, so that's what I'm getting out of this though. Like what they're showing me is like literally you were super anxious about 
being on stage or being like seen by people. Okay. Yeah. So she's telling me that like even from a young age, you were kind of, I guess, like taught to look for external validation. And so that combined with the psoriasis and you feeling self-conscious and everything else just created this massive like anxiety fear monster inside that has just continued to spiral out of control. And that every time you experienced a failure in life or you experienced something that felt like an adversity or felt like um, you had embarrassed yourself, it just fed into that. Does that make sense? It does. So, and, and they were showing me that thing on the, like you being anxious on the bus because it's like you get anxious before anything even happens. Yeah. And so you're you're constantly living in the state of like shit's going to go sideways. And so it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because you're so anxious that you can't get like comfortable enough in your skin to see the forest through the trees. And so you end up self self-sabotaging that way. That that's right. what they're getting at with this. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and it's interesting that you said comfortable in your own skin because <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I also would just like to point out that the um the psoriasis happened after my shortly after my father passed away when I was 5. So Aww. Yeah. Yeah. And so that rocked your stability. Like your whole world just got flipped upside down overnight. And so that was kind of a physiological response to that. And, but it's like, but it's still happening. So it's obviously, you know, still whatever it is has not been healed or. Yeah, it's the anxiousness of like, when's the other shoe going to drop? Because that's what happened with your dad, right? When yeah, the shoe yeah. dropped and your whole life flipped upside down. And so that's just consi- like continued to get empowered throughout your entire life path is kind of what they're showing me. Okay. And they're showing me that it's like a lot of little stuff that kind of grew into these bigger issues for you. It's like, um, you know, it's like we have hard water here in Colorado. And if you don't, like pay attention to it. A lot of times the sediment will grow into these rocks that just destroy your, your, you know, your hot water heater or whatever else. Like that's kind of what has been going on for you your entire life is that they've calcified into these like big ginormous things when they were actually smaller things. Sure. And part of that is, is because you don't give yourself time to sit with stuff and feel it is what I'm getting off of you. I think you try. Like, I don't think that it's you're like, okay, well, I just don't want to look at that. And, I, and then you run away from it. I don't get that sense. But I think it's more of like, you almost feel guilty for feeling this way. And then you try and tell yourself, like, you, I shouldn't feel that way. Right. Does that make sense? Like, you're almost in this, like, this cycle of like, okay, I need to look at this. And then you start looking at it and it's like, oh, well, why are you feeling that way? You should be better than that. And then you, ju- it just kind of snowballs and it keeps feeding into itself. Yeah. So. I'm going to tell you, it's perfectly okay to have low vibration feelings. Anyone who tells you that you need to be high vibe in 24-7 is a fucking fraud, okay? First of yeah, all. Agreed. Those low vibration feelings are there to teach us, right? They're there to help us work and grow through things. So if you're having anxiety, 
that's the body's way of telling you there's a problem here that needs to be looked at. It's literally everything's tied together, right? And so when we're having anxiety, it's your brain sending a symbol through your body to go, hey, Joanna, we've got an issue that we need to work through. Like, you got to stop and pay attention to this. You got to stop. But when we become conditioned to have anxiety over long periods of time, you don't pay attention to that anymore, right? You're just like, oh, I'm fucked up. And then you just keep going. (laughs) So so I think an exercise that really is going to work for you is when you start feeling these anxious moments come up, right? When you start going like, okay, I feel... I feel bad about this or I have anxiety about this. Stop and literally give yourself time to question yourself. Do I really have anxiety about this or am I just feeling a steady line of anxiety? Okay, so like that's a good first question. Then the next question is, why am I feeling anxious about this? What's the worst that can happen? Right. Okay, because a lot of times we get anxiety about stuff. And then when you think about what's the worst that can happen, it's like really not that big of a deal. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we build these monsters up in our head because we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh So for you, that's a a trust security issue, right? And I don't know if you're into new agey stuff, but um, like a new agey person would tell you to work on your root chakra because that's where all this is stemming from for you. Okay. For me, I read that as a security wound. So you don't feel safe. You literally feel like life is this unsafe place to be and that no matter what happens, like you're just going to have like the monster in the closet pop out in front of you and scare the shit out of you, right? And knock you off your feet. Yeah. Yeah. So one, that's going to require a perspective shift when you start going like, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen? And you go, well, this like not really that bad thing could happen, right? But then the other flip side of that is, okay, but what's the best that could happen if I do this? Right. Right. Like if I if I knock this out of the park or if whatever happens and like the the worst doesn't happen, what's the plus side of this? And then you got to start focusing on that aspect when you go into it. That's how to kind of sidestep your ego, right? Okay. So how did your mom deal with your dad dying? Because I'm feeling Um, like there's something around that that is part of this. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it is. Um, So my mom is a lovely person, but I think she kind of checked out, you know, and and then. I know she was like doing her best and all that, but she ended up, she was looking for a father figure from, for my sister and, and me. And she ended up re remarrying a not so nice guy. And so then when she was in that relationship, she really checked out because she was dealing with that super toxic, unhealthy relationship. And codependency and you know he was an alcoholic and abusive and all that so so I think she was just very checked out you know I've I've had conversations with her fairly recently where I'm like she's like oh I didn't know that was going on in your childhood (laughs) I'm like yes you did you know I'm like I specifically remember these incidents of me coming to you and da 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 and I, I you know I explain it to her and but she she does not remember any of that like she i don't know if she's compartmentalizing too or or if she just has a really bad memory or where the the guilt is kind of eating her alive and if she admits it then she's going to have to open up that pandora's box right that too cuz she does tend to be very guilty yeah 
So that's actually what I'm getting off of this. And I have a little bit of experience with this in my own family. Okay. So like you're not alone on this. Mm -hmm. So this all feeds into that instability issue for you and that fear of like just the shit hitting the fan and always getting worse. Because when your dad passed away and you feel like the rug got ripped out from underneath you, all that followed after that was everyone that you felt was supposed to protect and love you and create stability for you literally either checked out or became a a problem in your world. Yeah. So that's, that's where this is all stemming from. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up about your dad. By the time that you got into high school, I really feel like your anxiety has kind of like it had solidified. Okay. And then on top of all of that, you had all of the hormonal changes and everything else that was going on. You've just had it snowball. Okay. So like I, I'm I'm telling you all of this to tell you that like what you you feel, don't take that so much as like self-sabotage and take that more as in like you've just had a fucking shit life. Okay. Like right. and it's okay to be like, I've had a shit life. Right. You've been through a lot. Like I'm feeling it and it's making me want to break down crying. Okay. So like give yourself some credit. You're strong as hell. You're still standing. You're doing your own business. You have your own home. Like, girl, fucking pat on the back and give yourself some claps because oh, thank holy you. Moly. Now you're making me cry. <laughs> Go for it, you know. But even one or two of these things would have taken most people down. And like you're still standing. Okay. So when you start feeling stuck, I just want you to remind yourself that you've trudged through like a 20 year long blizzard in your life. And you are not only still standing, you've somehow managed to make a life for yourself. Like, that's incredible. Thank you. You're welcome. There's, there's no obstacle that you you're not going to get past. Like, I'm, I'm telling you right now, like, I get this, like, I get that you're scared. And I get that you feel like you're stuck and you have self sabotage going on. But like, Joanna, I feel this like internal warrior energy in you. Yeah. Of like that just keeps going like like the energizer bunny, you know, of like no matter how many times I get knocked down or or whatever like I'm I'm scared as shit and I'm going to get back up but and I'm gonna, and I'm going to keep putting one foot after the other. Okay, so like you've done it, you know? Like I I know that there's a part of you that feels like, "Oh, I'm a failure and I'm just not doing as much as like I should be doing and I'm not ad- adulting as much as I should be and I'm not doing things right and I didn't really grow up." But like Damn, girl, like from where I'm standing, like a lot of people don't grow up, first of all. But from where I'm standing, like you've created a lot in the midst of some crazy stuff. That's that's impressive. Like, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. Thank you. Well, probably not. I definitely not. You know, I, that's that's where I was getting at. Like, I have this feeling like you had this like pressure on you to succeed. Okay. Because, and I thought maybe it was coming from your family, but maybe that's just you, right? Maybe you have this like drive to succeed. Right. And maybe it's just because, well, oh, I think that the reason that you are so hard on yourself to succeed actually does stem from the fact that you were so good at school that it came so easily to you, right? Right. Because you put a lot of your value on like, yeah, my life's a mess and my home life's a mess, but like 
I'm doing really good in school. I'm really good at this. I'm really smart. And so because that came easily for you, then when you got into some shit that actually was hard, it was like such a massive blow to like what you had identified in your world as like, this is what I am. Okay. But you're so much more than just smart. (laughs) Like, like, yes, you're smart. And yes, like, you know, school came easily to you and you excelled in things, but you also made it through something that most people don't really get over. So that's a part of you that you should value and you're not valuing it. And because you're not valuing it, you're not energizing it. Does that make sense? Because you're not valuing how strong you are at the core and you're not seeing that as like part of who you are, it makes you feel weak and scared. Which part uh, did I get through that most people wouldn't? What were you referring to? Your dad dying at five years old. Your mother checking out, like your parental figure checking out and not giving you the support you needed while you were going through a massive trauma. And then a father figure coming in to quote unquote fill the space that like the void that was left when your dad died and him being an abusive alcoholic. Right. One of those things would fuck most people up for their entire life. And you had it compounded into a very short period of time. Right. During your formative years. Right. And I, I do feel like there is a very strong, like warrior energy inside of me too, but I just feel very like disconnected from it. Okay. So Eric's saying that's because you don't listen to it. You choose to listen to your fear over it. Right. That's true. And that's a thinking pattern that she's been in since she was a kid. She needs to start going outside of her comfort zone on purpose. So this is what I always tell everybody of like, go face your fears, like small, even if they're just small ones. Like if you don't like heights, like go get on a roller coaster or, you know, like go do things where you can test yourself and as an adult push through it and then you'll start connecting with that side more. Okay. Because when you're faced with something that triggers that fear response in you, you've opened up that door for that warrior side to go, nah, fuck this. I got it. Okay. But if you don't ever push yourself to see that you have that capability you end up not listening to it. You listen to the fear side that goes, no, something's going to go bad. Yeah. Something's going to be wrong. I, I I need to not do that. So they don't have to be big things. Like, you know, I I don't know if you have some like small phobias or or other things that you're really scared of. But okay, so maybe it's as simple as going to an open mic night and reading some poetry or <laughs> something, you know, something that you like doing, but put yourself on stage because you have that fear of being seen, like go, go get up and do it. And then at the end of it, be like, I didn't die. You know, like right. people clap their hands for me, you know, have, have your friends that you love there with you, like whoever you can get to show up and support you, have them show up, but you're going to have to prove to yourself that you got it in a way that is going to be meaningful for you. And it's that you've got to feel that fear and push through. Right. That's what the warrior aspect in us does. That's the divine masculine, right? The divine masculine goes, nope, I got this. I'm going to push through. I don't care if I'm scared as hell. I don't care if I'm shaking. I don't care if I'm about to hyperventilate. I'm going to do it because I know I need to do this. And that it'll create growth for you, right? Because then the next time that your fear response comes up, you'll go, the last time I felt this way was before I got on stage, and I pushed through it and it ended up being okay. So you know what? I'm going to push through this too. 
Okay. Yeah, I was going to jump in about the school thing. I was in engineering school and um, a lot of, I had a lot of like valedictorians and stuff in my classes and, you know, they, they were valedictorians in high school. And so they, you know, they, they were used to always being the smartest kid in school. And then you move to a very, you know, maybe prestigious engineering school that like every it's now you're kind of on par with all these other uh, valedictorians and, and they all struggled with this material and they were just not, not used to it. And so a lot of that challenge of engineering school was more so pushing through like these obstacles that they kind of set for you. Um, and it's not, not necessarily like acing the test. That's not the important thing. The thing is uh, learning to, you know, overcome that stress, overcome that, those challenges that you have in, in, in real life. So I think, I think when you say you're not good at adulting, I think you're just, you are facing these challenges and maybe you're not acing the test like you did in, in, in school or whatever, but like, you're doing great. Like you're still, like you still are, are pushing through and, and you're, you're getting that, that, the, that knowledge of like how to, how to overcome. Well, thank you, Nick. I appreciate that feedback and that uh, your perspective. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like he he actually did just touch exactly on kind of what I was getting at, which is when you're really good at something and then you go out into the world and then you kind of get slapped around a little bit. It rocks your sense of self a bit. It, it rocks your confidence because you're like, well, fuck, I thought I was good at this. Like, And now life is showing me that maybe I'm not the best at this or maybe I'm not the best at other stuff. And like it, it, it definitely, especially if you identify with that as being like who you are or what you're good at, it can be hard. And so I'm kind of seeing that there was some stuff once you got out into the real world as a, as a young adult that rocked you because you kind of came out feeling like, all right, like I did good. I got this, I got this. And then it was like, I don't got this. And then it just kind of spiraled. Yeah. I think it happened even before I was out on my own because for as long as I can remember, and I know this is part of like my personality and just like who I am, but I've always rebet like, especially in high school, junior high and high school, I was very much like rebelling. And even in elementary Mm -hmm. school, if I'm honest, because being smart was something that came so naturally to me that I didn't really have to try at anything in school. And I even rebelled against that. I would get in so much trouble in elementary school that they would have to have meetings about me with all the teachers because they couldn't punish me because I did not care. They, they would be like, you're going to the principal. And I was like, I don't care. And the only thing they could, because you were grieving. Right. Well, the only thing they could think of was to take me out of the gifted programs as a punishment because nothing else worked on me. I'd be like, whatever, you know, I was just, Um, and even that didn't work. I was like, whatever, uh, you know, so I think a lot of my life was kind of spent rebelling against even those qualities about myself. I don't know if that makes sense. It does though, because that's the pressure that was put on you. So like, that's what I'm saying. There's some sort of pressure. I don't know if it came from you or if it came from your mom or who it came from, but there was some sort of pressure on you to succeed. 
to be smart, to be whatever. And so because you were grieving and you felt like you weren't getting any attention at home, you started rebelling against everything. Yeah. And it just kind of continued because I think you realized that that was the only time you really got any attention from like an authoritarian figure, right? In your world was when you were rebelling. It was either when you were rebelling or when you were doing super well. Possibly. So I'm also going to challenge you a little bit and say that I actually don't think the rebelliousness is is actually part of your personality. Okay. I think that was a response pattern to trauma that didn't get addressed and nobody really paid attention to it. So like when you see kids now, like, and, and I'll use somebody from my school, like when I was younger as an example, but there was a kid who was a troublemaker, like a really big troublemaker at school. And I always thought he was kind of a jackass, but then he, something happened and we ended up on the same bus together and I got to know him a little bit and he just had a terrible life. Like his life at home was hard and he was angry about it. And so like, that's how it manifested was he was a dickhead at school right? because that's where he acted out. He couldn't act out at home or he'd get his ass beat by his dad. Right. You know, so like. Or just nobody cared. Like, and I, I don't know enough about his home life to know if it was one or the other. Well, yeah, I do. His, his dad was abusive. So that's how it, it manifested for him. So I'm actually really not surprised to hear that you went through a long, a long-term rebellious phase. Okay. Because there's still an inner child in you that is like, no one cares about me to the depth of where, like, I feel seen. Like, no one cares about my grief. No one cares about what I'm going through. Nobody cares that I need a hug. Like, it's all about everybody else. And so if the only way that I can get that hug, if the only way I can get that acknowledgement and being seen is by lighting the school on fire, then that's how I'm going to do it. Okay. And so now your self-sabotage, my guess is that stems from your inner child still screaming out because they still need someone to acknowledge that they went through something really fucked up and really hard. Right. And they didn't have they didn't have a mom who was capable of being strong enough to be there for them. I don't know if you went to therapy, but I'm guessing that you didn't. Yeah, I have. You have? Like as a kid? Um, I did in my early twenties. Um, cause as you said, once I got out into the real world out of, you know, my family home, um, I did realize, oh my God, I'm really fucked up. <laughs> and that's when I started realizing yeah. a lot of my issues. So I did go to therapy for several years. I don't remember exactly how long, but I did, I've done some extensive therapy, but at some point yeah, I'm just five like, or six. I don't want to talk about this shit anymore, you know, kind of thing. Right. Well, but five or six year old, you didn't see a therapist. That's kind of what I'm saying. Uh huh. There was no. Oh, yeah. No. I don't think there was a, a healthy acknowledgement of what you went through. Okay. And so there's this inner child part of you inside that literally still feels like I don't matter. Okay. I don't matter. I'm not seen. My feelings don't matter. Like I'm just like at the fucking. Um, 
at the mercy of life and the adults in my world, right? Like that's that's the programming you got from that was that you were just at the mercy of everyone else and whatever was going on in their world meant more. Right. Like it, it mattered more. So that's something you're going to have to heal though. Like it, it's so intense for me that I want to cry. So I, I know I'm like touching on on something that really needs to be addressed. Yeah. So how do I do that? <laughs> yeah, I was actually just asking that. I'm like, how's going to be like, what's the most effective way for her to do that? I'm not, I'm, I'm really bad about doing this. So I was like, is there another way to do this? But maybe you'll be fine with it. So Aries telling me that you literally need to like sit with a mirror or like in the bathroom or wherever you feel comfortable and literally just talk to yourself and try to see like the inner child in you, like look in your own eyes and see like that sparkle of like your inner child and tell your inner child, like, what happened to you wasn't fair. There should have been people there for you. And then they weren't. You should have seen a therapist. I'm sorry that you didn't. But now I'm an adult and I get to protect you and I get to take care of you. And I get to say what you went through was fucked up and you did a great job. I know you were angry and I know you lashed out. And I know that that manifested in this rebellious you know, phase that you went through. But I'm here now and you're safe and I'm going to make sure that your feelings are honored, that you are seen. You know, I'm going to make sure that we don't ever feel like we're just along for someone else's ride. Like we are the main character in our story and I'm going to make sure that it stays that way. Okay. Because ultimately you get to be the mom that you needed during that time. You get to be the dad that you needed during that time. We as adults get to be the parents that we needed. Okay. And when we do that, we start healing those wounds from our childhood because we know it's not going to happen again because you know that if something fucked up happened in your life, you'd go get therapy for it. You would go talk to people about it. You would do the right things by you to acknowledge your grief and your pain and validate it. Right. You know, this happens a lot and it happened to me and I, and I, you know, Nick and I were talking about this the other day. Like this was actually a huge breakthrough th- for me. So I'm I'm hoping that this helps you. I realized that I went through a lot of trauma and I just thought it was normal because no one really reacted to it. And I didn't go to a therapist and I didn't, you know, like <laughs> there just wasn't an appropriate response really to some of it. I mean, I I died for a few seconds and like or a few minutes and didn't go see a therapist afterward. And There was like no real acknowledgement of it. And then I had something traumatic come up like a month later where my mom forced me to go down like the Alpine slide in Breckenridge, but she forced me to go down the fast side. Right. And I was terrified because I just died. Okay. Like two months before that. Oh my God. And so I was looking back at it and I was like, man, I'm like, that was like a really painful memory for me. And she since apologized. She didn't explain why she did it, but she since apologized. But, you know, I was sitting with that and I thought, man, like, what is that that I need to let go of that that my guides are bringing that up? And Nick just casually and nonchalantly, because that's just how he is, is like, oh, yeah, but that one time that you acknowledge somebody else's trauma from their car accident and their wife didn't even recognize it, like, that's why you're so sensitive to those things is because you experience that and you experience people not acknowledging your trauma. And so now you're like good at it. So these things that feel very painful, if you can figure out how to not internalize them and aim them destructively at yourself, you can actually transmute them or change them into things that will help other people. Okay. They actually make you a better human being because you're like, I acknowledge that like 
a lot of people have gone through really crappy childhood trauma and nobody acknowledged it for them. Sure. Like, so I'm going to be that person that goes, hey, are you okay? Like, you just went through something really traumatic. You know, you get to be the person that steps up for them and, and says, like, it's okay to acknowledge that what you just went through sucked. Yeah. And I feel like I'm pretty decent at doing that for other people, but probably not so much for myself, I guess. Good. So that's good, though. The fact that you've externalized that in a positive form, it means that you just need to reflect that back inward on yourself. Right. Okay. So when something traumatic happens, rather than like wallowing in it and being like, why is life so unfair? Why is this happening to me? Instead, you can literally be like, that was traumatic. That fucking sucked. Like, I didn't deserve to go through that, but there's got to be a lesson in this. I've got to figure out what the lesson is. Like, how can I turn this into something positive in my world? Okay. Because There are some people who have lived absolutely terrible lives who are like the most happy-go-lucky people you'll ever meet. And every time I've ever talked to any of those people, and honestly, I'd group myself into that at this point, they've all figured out how to turn (laughs) lemons into lemonade. They've all figured out how do I make this a force of positive in my world and in others. Right. So the fact that you've already done that to some extent and you just need to turn it inward, like that's you're already halfway there. Okay. (laughs) But have a frank discussion with your inner child, you know, and reassure her. And when you start feeling that anxiety or that like fear coming up of like, oh, no, oh, no, something's going to pull the rug out from underneath me. Try to take a like five to ten deep breaths like we did right before we hit record. And then tell your inner child, hey, we're safe. I got this. Like, okay, I'm an adult. I'm not going to leave you hanging. (laughs) Like, we got this. We're going to be okay. We always are. I'm batting 100% on not dying. Like I've lived through every horrible thing that's ever happened to me. We will get through this. We always do. Okay. You're just going to have to have some, some pep talks and some reassuring your inner child of like, you don't have to be scared like that anymore. Things are different now. Right. But that also is going to require some changes on, on your end right now to make sure that you feel safe and you feel secure. Right. That you do do those things like pausing and acknowledging that what you just went through is traumatic and working through it rather than just, okay, I feel really crappy about this. Uh, I shouldn't feel like that. I, 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 should, I should be better than this. And then like whatever. Where you're at is where you're at and that is totally okay and you need to accept it. Okay, so if you're having a low vibration day where you're feeling wallowy, feel it. Feel it deeply and feel it for about 20 or 30 minutes, scream into a pillow, get all that fucking energy out and then go, all right, I I got all that out of my system. Now I need to move on. Yeah. Like I still go through that. I'm not puppies and kittens and sunshine every day. I had a meltdown a couple weeks ago. I mean, not a meltdown, but I got pissed off enough that I was like, what the fuck? You know, (laughs) And Nick came upstairs and he was trying to cheer me up. And I said, I just need like 15 minutes to get this shit out of my system and then I'll be fine. And then like he came back up that night and I was like, I mean, he'll attest to this. I was like a different person. Okay. Yeah, you got through it. I mean, everyone has their stressful moments that they need to go out and howl at the moon or go out and do some karate chops or something, break something. I don't know. Everybody needs that. <laughs> go to a break room. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, smash some stuff. It's always good. But give yourself permission to feel it and to feel it deeply. Like, it's okay to feel crappy. It is totally okay to feel crappy. The key to feeling crappy is to feel crappy deeply and then let it go and move on. Okay. So, and then the let it go portion is what did I get out of this? What did I learn from this? Right. Okay. And sometimes it's, I learned I can't trust that person or 
I learned that in this situation, I should have made a different decision. Or I learned in this situation that like it's okay to feel that way. You've just got to figure out what the lesson is and then you can let go of it. I think you have a hard time letting go of stuff because it just feels like once you once you get into the nitty gritty with something like and you don't let it go immediately, you just feel like, well, fuck it. I don't I don't even want to look at it. Yeah. Right. Because that's kind of what I'm getting out of the whole therapy comment that you made. And I was already kind of feeling that. So that confirmed it. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so so the letting go portion of that is is to sit down and really dig into that feeling, to dig into that emotion and to go. When when are all of the other times in my life that I felt like this? Like wh- when did I feel unsafe in my life? And write down every single time, okay? And then you go, oh my God, all of this stuff fed into me not feeling safe. But the difference was I didn't have an adult looking out for me and I'm an adult now, so I can let go of all of that. What I learned is I'm strong. Like I get through shit no matter what gets thrown at me. Like I'm still standing. Like that's awesome. And I think, so. I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. You're good. Well, I think I've gotten, I think what you're saying is true. And what's coming up for me when you say that is that I feel like I've gotten really good at compartmentalizing things to where I don't think about them. That's repression. In the sense of the the being stuck. Um you know, something that I'm stuck on or I'm procrastinating or whatever, and I know that I'm doing it and I know that whatever it is, I need to handle it, it needs to be done, but I'm still procrastinating. And I feel like I've gotten really good at compartmentalizing that. So it's like, I'm just not even going to think about that. So I, I do think that you're on to something there. I hope that made sense. Mm-hmm. No, I totally did. So that's repression. And that that's a totally normal response to somebody who's been through a lot of trauma. Okay. So like, yeah. again, stop beating yourself up for that. Now, you know, you have that issue. So now we just got to figure out where it's coming from so that you can get rid of it. But okay. that's not you. That is not inherently you as a person. That is bad programming that you developed in order to deal with the massive amount of shit that you went through. Okay. Okay. So like, Free yourself from any guilt or any beating yourself up over that. That didn't come from you. That came from life circumstances and some of the other people around you and the way that they reacted to things. Okay. So when you start going like, I'm procrastinating and I know I'm procrastinating and I know I need to do something, the key is to stop what you're doing and go, why am I procrastinating right now? Why? Like, and honestly answer yourself. Am I procrastinating because I'm scared if I get into it, I'll fail? Am I procrastinating because um, I just don't want to do it? <laughs> like, what is the reason that I'm procrastinating? And start digging into that. But you've got to, you've got to decompartmentalize. And, and I know that that's painful. And I know that like that probably put a pit in your stomach because once you get really good at compartmentalizing, like having to dredge that shit back up is kind of scary. But you don't have to. You've already dug it up at at therapy, right? So like you don't have to like relive those traumas necessarily. You just need to look at what the common denominator is like between all of them. So like every time that I felt this way, it was because someone did this. Okay, well, what I found out is I need to set a boundary that so that people don't do that, right? Because it's not something that I like and it's not something I would do to other people. Like you have to start looking at ways to how do I – how do I get rid of this common denominator in my world? 
right? So for me, um, okay, Air, Air actually just was like, talk to her about your dad. Okay, so my dad had this really bad habit of like, I would talk to him about something and he would just like tune out on his phone. And I would just stop talking in the middle of my sentence because I'd be like, well, he's not fucking listening. And he wouldn't even notice. Right. <laughs> so Nick, in the beginning of our relationship, was not great at listening, um, partially because I talk a lot and also because like he was stressed out with work or had other shit on his on his mind. So like it led to a few fights between the two of us because I'd be like, why the fuck aren't you listening? And then I realized. Okay, like it's actually, yeah, that's irritating to me. But the reason that this is like driving me from zero to 60 or making me feel this like insane feeling of like this overwhelming, like, what the hell was because it it reminded me of my dad. And then I started digging into that and I started digging into a lot of stuff in my childhood. And what I really found out from that was that it just made me feel unseen or unheard or like what I had to say didn't matter. And it was a combination of like, 50 different experiences from my childhood and they weren't all my family some of them were with teachers some of them were with like people at daycare I mean it was like a whole array of of times that that had happened and so I figured out where that stemmed from and so I was like all right so the boundary that needs to be set in my life is if you're not listening to me I'm not going to keep fucking talking and I'm going to tell you you're not listening to me and so I'm just done talking about this Right. And so that's how my inner child was like, okay, cool. She's got my back. Like, do you get what I'm saying? I do. And, you know, what comes up for me is kind of what I mentioned earlier is where I don't remember a lot of my childhood. So my, I guess my concern is like, am I going to remember where this happened in my past? Okay. You will. So that's where meditation, mindfulness, doing breath work, all of that comes into play, okay? Because once you get quiet enough that you start kind of suppressing the ego, your ego is who's blocked all that shit out. It it did it to protect you, okay? So like it's not just to make it difficult on you. It did it to protect you because it was like, oh man, if she's blocked out all this, like if she was feeling and remembering all this stuff, then she'd be insane, right? Because- you weren't in a place where you could process okay, it. That makes sense. But now as you're actively making the decision to work on yourself and to start pulling up some of these things to work on them, write down some stuff, you know, and, and also talk to talk to the universe or your guides or whoever it is that you talk to and say, hey, I'm working on this one issue. I know that I have repressed memories, but could you help me recall some of them? I need to know why it is that I do this, okay? And then be open to dreams. Okay. Like a lot of times they'll communicate in dreams and you'll have like maybe not a one-for-one on what happened when you were a kid, but it'll be like a similar situation that'll then trigger that memory to come up. Or sometimes you'll literally have memories in your dreams. In meditations, I've had memories come up that I had repressed. Like so there are ways to kind of go about that, but you've got to get still and quiet inside, right? Because that that anxiety monster, that fear monster that's just constantly like oscillating inside of you is not going to let anything through. So getting quiet, getting still, meditating, being mindful, okay, telling your inner child that you're safe, all of these things are going to start helping you get into a headspace of where you can start looking at these things. Okay, so Air's telling me to tell you to like, essentially light a candle and say a prayer. And by a prayer, that just means talking to your, talking to the universe of like, please help me with this. You know, like 
Um, I need I need your love on this. I need your guidance on this. So. And then she's saying when you blow it out to just like deeply feel like, okay, it's going to happen. Okay. That process for you, there, there's something in that that she's showing me. And that's that's a very specific thing. And she hasn't done this with anybody else. So I'm, I'm just giving you a heads up on that. Okay. Something about that process for you is almost like some sort of a, a like a, a ritualistic thing that's going to help kind of cut through your ego. She's saying it may take a while, but over time she's going to reprogram her brain. And you know, they're already talking to you. So uh, listeners, literally Joanna told me when we before we hit record on this that she was seeing angel numbers quite a bit. Like a lot of repeating ones and stuff. So you're you're and feeling chills. So your your guides are already communicating with you. Okay. So that's why I think she's wanting you to light this candle and then ask for help and then blow it out of like a means of like I sent that message off in the smoke, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So she's also telling me that you really need to focus on some grounding techniques. Um, my favorite way to do that is to go outside. Do you, you don't spend a lot of time outside, do you? No. Yeah. Uh, she just was like kind of about that. <laughs> so <laughs> she, I, I was like, well, you should go spend some time. She was like, you need to tell her she needs to spend time outside. So I was like, oh my God. But um, spend more time outside. Spend some time. I think really letting this, like the sun bathe your face, I think is going to be really important for you. Okay. Like you just need to spend some time out in the in the light, okay? Because like life is pretty dark for you sometimes. And I honestly think that some of like you just need to reconnect with nature and you need to ground your energy so that some of that like anxious energy just basically goes back into the earth or gets carried off of you on the wind. You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. Um but I do think I think you need to spend more time outside. I think that'll help you a lot. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. She's also showing me you like swimming laps in like a an indoor pool. So I think water or swimming might be a good release for you of energy. Um, I'm kind of like anti-water because of my skin issues. Um, that's probably not something that I would do, at least not comfortably, maybe at some point, but... Is it just your anti the chlorine? Um, no, just my self consciousness about my psoriasis. Mm. Okay, so that's why she's telling you to do that. So I was going to chime in. Go ahead, babe. Sorry, I was going to chime in on the uh, psoriasis thing. I was looking up the connection between stress and psoriasis, and this review published in October 2018 in the International Journal of Dermatology found that a large number of patients reported that psoriasis started within a year of a very stressful event, and it also claims that that stress may trigger the autoimmune disease to those who are predispositioned for it. And so that the psoriasis itself can cause stress and that will uh, exacerbate the the condition itself. So it's a kind of replicating issue. So I think, you know, your 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 mind is creating a physical condition and so that maybe a lot of these techniques of of helping with your mind quiet yourself and dealing with a lot of the stress could actually cure maybe a, a physical ailment 
Yeah, that's definitely true um, as far as it being stress-related. And it totally lines up with the traumatic event and it happening within a year that all lines up. So, yeah. I mean, I've I've also seen some pretty compelling cases for like a lot of autoimmune stuff is actually just repressed trauma and it's just manifesting in the body. And so that kind of supports that too. But the reason she's showing me you swimming is remember when I asked, like, did you have any like small phobias or whatever to like kind of face? Yeah. I think that's what she's suggesting because the worst that happens is someone looks at your skin and goes, and then you can just be like, well, fuck that guy. Right. Like what's the worst, what's the worst that could happen really? Sure. Right. So, and maybe go with some friends like that. They're just going to, they'll be like, fuck that guy with you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But these are the kind of face your fear type stuff that's going to allow you to connect better with that inner warrior in yourself. And the fact that she specifically showed me you swimming in a pool. I I think that's probably a pretty good one for for you to start with if you can muster up the courage to do it. But I'm telling you. First of all, most people won't even recognize that you have a skin condition. I'm going to be real candid. We're way harder on ourselves than other people are. Yeah. And second of all, anybody who makes a comment about your skin condition, like, fuck them. That is somebody who is miserable with their own life. Like, that is, <laughs> that's not somebody's opinion who you should care about anyway. You know, like, honestly, I'm kind of of the ilk of, like, you shouldn't care about anybody's opinion other than people that you deeply love. Everyone else, like, who cares what they think? Right. And there is that so, part of myself, but I think that when it comes to my skin, it's just, Not so much, you know, I definitely in general don't care what people think like other people think of me, but with the Okay, but why why is the skin a thing for you then? So let's dig into that if if you don't mind. Um I think it's just been deeply programmed into me that like it's something that I hide and it's something that I don't want people to know and I don't want to talk about and it's just something that should stay hidden. Okay. But those things that you repress like that, that you try and hide like that, those are the ones that need to have the light shine the brightest on them. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's how you end up liberating yourself is looking at all the stuff that you go, that should be hidden and pulling it front and center and owning it and going, I have a fucking skin condition. And anybody who doesn't like that can like literally just pound sand. Yeah. And that does, that comes from childhood. Okay. So that's, but that's a bad program. You should be free to be comfortable in your skin. You know, your skin condition, like that's not your fucking fault. You didn't do anything. (laughs) Why, why have shame over that? Why try and hide that? And also millions and millions of people, millions of people have skin conditions. Right. Like shit, Nick had psoriasis or was it eczema or psoriasis? I can't remember on your foot for the longest time. Yeah, I think it was, I think it might have been psoriasis, but it was like, I think it might have been my, my boots kept on rubbing on a certain part of my, my foot. But I mean, it, I wouldn't care. Yeah, but it was also, you were stressed out to the absolute fucking max too. Yeah, it was probably stress more so than, than anything. And and it's impossible to not have stress in life. So, I mean, uh, I guess you just kind of have to like work through it, but I, I tried different things. I tried different creams and different shoes i think uh 
eventually like it kind of it kind of went away with like a a kind of a less stress stressful job i think that kind of helped out a lot so i think it was actually pretty stress related yeah it, it definitely was cuz it went away like almost immediately after you left that job so that's kind of what i'm getting at though joanna like that's not something that you should feel bad about like you're really hard on yourself all right and like you don't need to be you didn't do anything <laughs> like you didn't do anything a skin condition is not your fault you didn't do anything right. so why hide that yeah you know you're going to have to start looking at some of those some of those programs and going where did that come from and how is it serving me because hiding yourself away that fear of being seen that fear of being on stage that i was talking about this is this is it yeah like it's manifesting in the form of like oh god i can't let people know that i have a skin condition but like so you have a skin condition. So what? That doesn't make you any less beautiful or any less awesome or any less smart or any less you. Like, fuck them. If somebody is going to judge you on that, fuck them. It's just there's miserable fucking people out there. <laughs> like, And you can't care what they think about anything because they're miserable. That's just a projection of how they feel about themselves. So if somebody is coming at you because you have a skin condition, think about what they're hiding. You know, like that's such a... That's such a small, like, who cares? Yeah. You know, like, don't hide. Like, stop hiding. You're you're meant to be seen, okay? If you weren't meant to be seen, you wouldn't be you. You wouldn't be someone who literally is brave enough to come on, like, a YouTube podcast or, you know, Spotify or whatever and talk about your problems. You are not meant to be hidden in the shadows. You are meant to shine. Oh, thank you. And it's okay to accept that. You're welcome. You know, I I know I sound like I'm like pep talking you, but like honestly, like I I need you to believe these things because you are your own worst enemy at this point because you're not recognizing that these these programs come from things that weren't you. That these things aren't you. You're not I don't get that you're rebellious. Honestly, that was like that was your inner warrior being pissed off about what was happening to you. It's just how it manifested. Sure. That was your divine masculine acting out because he was like, this is fucked up. <laughs> like the, the not being seen thing, like that comes from childhood. You know, I don't, I feel like someone made you feel bad about it. Like I, I just, I don't know why I'm getting this, but I really feel like somebody was holding, like put a lot of pressure on you to be like perfect for lack of a better word. Like somebody in your world made you feel like if you didn't have your your T's crossed and your I's dotted, like and you weren't just like wonderful all the time, that like they they made you feel bad about yourself. And I don't know if that's an aspect of you or if that was someone else in your life, but I get the sense that you you have had this strong pressure on you from the time that you were a kid. Yeah. Like I just keep getting it. It keeps coming back in waves. So like Yeah, I'm sure that's true. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's you who put you up to that like that pedestal of like I got I have to be perfect but you don't. You can have skin conditions, you can cry, you can have addictions, you can you can have all of these things, okay? Just as long as you're working towards being a little bit better each day. That's enough. Okay? Like you don't need to like fix yourself overnight. Like you're not you're not some project that's due in the morning, you know? Like you have time. And just if you even can look back like three or four days before and go, 
man, I did better like today than I did three or four days ago with the same issue. Like you're doing great. So give yourself some compassion and some patience and understand that you had a lifetime full of trauma that that you've tried to address and maybe didn't have the right therapist or the right tools, or maybe therapy just didn't work for you. It didn't work for me. It didn't work for Nick. I think that there's like a specific type of personality and trauma that that just doesn't really help with. I'm going to be honest because like I got a little bit of like, okay, I'm not crazy for feeling this way, but past that I was like, okay, so I've had a fucking horrible life and you just confirmed that I'm a victim. Like, cool. So yeah. Yeah, it, it it sucks. Like that doesn't help you move past it. Sure. The moving past it part is trying to find the purpose in it. And the purpose for me is usually a lesson, right? Because we learn more from painful stuff than we do from pretty much anything else. So I, I'm going to give you like a long laundry list of, of homework to do, but I want you to talk to your inner child and reassure her that she's safe and that you're not going to let that happen again. I want you to go face your fear. Maybe you don't go swimming. Maybe that's too much for you right now, but maybe you're having like an outbreak on your shoulders or whatever, and you just go walk to the mailbox while your neighbors are outside with a tank top on. Right. Okay. Start with small stuff, like just small stuff to where you go. Okay. That was like uncomfortable, but guess what? nothing bad happened. Like they didn't even fucking notice, Sure, you know, or a kid does notice and ask you about your skin condition and you tell them and they go, Oh, I'm sorry. That sucks. And then you get, you get empathy for it. You know, like that's the other thing. So I I need to, I need to share this with you because this was, this was something that was a, a, a little bit of a game changer for me. But when I started talking about the things I was uncomfortable with, within myself, with other people, it was actually amazing how many people had good advice like or things that helped me. You know, that's why I talk to Nick about my stuff. It's not because Nick loves talking about emotions because he doesn't. <laughs> like that's not exactly fun for either of us. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't tell you how many times I've been struggling with something and I've been like, you know, obsessing over it or gnashing at it for like months and months and months. And then like I bring it up to Nick and like in 15 minutes, he's like, got the missing piece that I needed, you know, so you never know. Maybe you'll come across someone who also suffered from psoriasis and they'll be like, oh, my God, like. Yeah, I totally, you know what helped me this this stupid thing, like it totally cured it. And then you try it and it helps you, you know, like. You just don't know being open is the best way to be because, yeah, you're going to pull in some shit like it's like fishing, right? Like by being open, you just like throw out a net. Yeah, you're going to pull in some like old boots and tires and things, but you're also going to pull in a lot of fish. And so you've just got to have that discernment of like this is boots and tires and trash and I don't need this shit. But guess what? This huge bounty of fish came in. And if I hadn't been open and if I hadn't thrown that net out, none of these fish would be coming in. Sure. That's kind of how being open and just being authentically you. Okay. So I don't want you to hide away anymore. I want you to go outside. I want you to go be on stage. I want you to not be ashamed of something that you have no control over. Okay. That's not something that needs to be hidden away. Like it doesn't make a difference. It's just physical stuff. You know, that's the other thing. This is all external stuff, right? 
internally, once you get solid and you really start working through some of this stuff and letting go of, of the things that have happened to you and you going like, okay, but if that hadn't happened, then I wouldn't be like this and I wouldn't have helped this person or I wouldn't be so good at my job or I wouldn't be blah, 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 blah. And you can start letting go of some of that. Eventually, you'll become unshakable on the inside. And then when you go to a pool and someone says something about your skin, you'll literally just laugh at them and be like, oh, okay. And then you'll go on with your life because that's where I'm at now. If I had been trolled the way that I was in those comments, like even two, like a year or two ago, like it would have pissed me off to no end. And I would have been like thinking about it like for hours of like, why would someone do that? Like, why would you be mean? I just, why would you do that? Like I would be obsessing over it, right? Right. But I've gotten so solid inside myself that I'm like, yeah, I'm fat. The sky's blue. Like, thank you, Captain Obvious. You become unshakable. Like, it just doesn't, it bounces off of you because you just don't care anymore. And so I'm glad that you're like that with a lot of other stuff. But I really want you to start looking at where it is in your life where you feel like things need to be hidden away and start pulling those out of the closet and looking at them. Right. That's where I think you're going to get the most growth out of this. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think in some ways I already do that where I'm much more open to talk about like my problems or if I'm struggling or if I'm feeling depressed or whatever. And I've had a lot of people tell me that they admire that about me. So I think that I do have some aspect of myself where I am very open about things like that. But in some ways not. And as you're saying, those are the ones that need to be addressed. Right. So those other things that you feel okay sharing, those are probably things that you've you've started healing, right? Those are probably things that like you started sorting through and you're you've started understanding like what that is. And so you're you're open to sharing them because like you know what it is. But the things that are like you feel like I need to hide this. Like this doesn't need to be something that anyone sees. I need to be quiet about this. Nobody needs to see this. And, and you're talking it away. Those are tied to something that you haven't looked at yet. Right. And I get that because it, there's there's shame attached to it, right? Like that's – so anything that makes you feel shameful, pull that up front and center and look at it. That's like a good like litmus test for you or a, a big red flag of like this needs to be addressed because it's causing shame for me. And especially if it's things like, like we're talking about your skin condition, like you have no control over that. You didn't do anything. So why are you feeling shame? (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. You're going to have to figure out if like some kid in gym, when you were changing clothes, made fun of you for having a skin problem or if your mom always hid it and was like, oh, you need to wear long sleeves today. You have a breakout or whatever. Like you need to figure out what it was that drove that for you that made you feel like it was something you needed to be ashamed of because inherently like kids aren't ashamed of stuff like that. Like, yeah, that comes from someone that comes from someone else pointing it out as something to be shameful for. Yeah. I mean, I can remember as far back as, you know, first or second grade when not long after I started getting the skin condition, I remember feeling that way. So I think I just have this like, like hiding and, you know, whatever. And I think I just have this deep seated shame kind of just, I don't know if it's just around the skin stuff or if it's just kind of like in general, but I have, that's something that's come to my attention recently. 
So shame is another form of guilt. And after you said earlier that your mom kind of has some guilt leanings, that's probably where that stems from because that's what was modeled for you, right? Like if you had an open household where like everyone just talked about everything and was open about everything and everyone let their, you know, warts hang out basically, you you wouldn't have learned that from a young age of like, I should feel guilty or I should feel shameful about this. So that's probably a generational thing that got passed on to you. And then it's definitely a generational thing because my grandma shamed my mom intensely. Yep. So I know that you said you're very close with your mom. I'm going to warn you that when you start digging into some of this, there's going to be some things that come up that you remember that you probably had repressed. And I just need you to know it's okay to acknowledge that someone did some has warts, right? It's okay to acknowledge that somebody has warts and that they did some fucked up stuff to you. You still love them. It doesn't change that. Okay. But Sometimes when we are very attached to people or we love people a lot, we we tend to kind of like, like just kind of, okay, well, I'm not going to look at this, right? Because if I look at this, then it's going to be painful because it's like another time that somebody else disappointed me or hurt me or whatever it is. So that generational stuff, I, your mom put a lot of pressure on you in some way, shape or form. And maybe it was through shaming. Maybe it was through, you know, I'm trying to, like, get her to show me something. (laughs) Okay. She's telling me that your mom had her own feelings of inadequacy. And so that kind of manifested. Is it for both her and her sister or just her? It's both of you. It, It manifested in her kind of pushing you guys. And so... Yeah, so you had this like weird dualistic parent who like checked out when you needed her the most, but was also like kind of pushy on other stuff. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I don't clearly recall some of these dynamics. I know that my mom was always very loving. Like we always knew my mom loved us. And I've Mm -hmm. talked to her about this stuff as an adult, and that's what she's told me. She said, I thought my job as a parent was to love you, like not not teach you, not try and form you into a successful adult, just just to love us. And, you know, so so we had that part, but I'll I'll, I'll put some thought into the, the pressure part. No, I definitely get that she loved you. So like, I, I'm do not take this as like, oh, your mom was a monster. She wasn't. Your mom was doing the best she could. Like, I, I am clearly seeing that. Like, she literally was the best mom she could be to you. Right. I, I think it actually like happened in like very low key forms. Okay. So I think it was like kind of offhanded comments that your mom probably didn't even realize like what she was saying at the time of like, you would get in trouble at school and she'd be like, you're so smart. Why are you acting like this? Like, you're smarter than that. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. It was things like that and those kind of things because you were already dealing with trauma created a monster, right? Like you were already hurt. And so little things like that kind of continued to build up. Right. That's what I'm getting of like the pressure, right? Is it was like you felt pressured to be like the best you could be at all times. Like, and and I, 
I think your rebellion was kind of your, again, your your divine masculine's way of being like, no, shit's fucked up. Like, I'm not going to pretend like everything's fine. Like, no, you know, like. <laughs> right. And it kind of came out that way because that was you expressing your grief. But then it kind of made it worse because then she would get frustrated because she was also going through grief and going through like her own stuff with her ex-husband and everything else. And so there was frustration there. And I actually am getting that your mom feels like really guilty about what she brought into your life. Like I'm getting major guilt from it. She does. She does. And I, that makes me sad, you know? Yeah. I think there are times like that she's actually questioned, like, am I actually a good mother? Because I brought that into their world. Yeah, that's that's probably – in fact, I'm sure that's true. She So, Air's telling me to tell you that your mom didn't know any better. Yeah, I know that. Like <laughs> She's very kind of yeah, naive in a lot of ways. I, I know this is kind of – did your mom kind of like – Bubby, your sister a little bit like is your sister kind of like the maybe a little bit more fragile one of the two of you not not necessarily actually I think it was kind of me because I I was very sick as a child I would get like pneumonia when I was very young I would get pneumonia and bronchitis like a couple times a year and I was sick and um Well, if you ask my sister, I was always like favored and stuff like that. But I think it was because I was sick. Yeah. So I I saw that dynamic. I just had it backward. Okay. So (sighs) this is where the pressure comes from. Okay. Again, your mother did not know what she was doing. So this was not – she didn't do this on purpose. So – because she kind of boobied you because you were sick all the time and she spent all this extra energy on you. And she also had anxiety around it, right? Like when your kid gets sick, like really sick, like there, there's a lot of anxiety around that. Mm-hmm. And if you're feeling chills and seeing numbers and stuff, you're already really sensitive to the world around you. Yeah. So as a kid, you were feeling that like on steroids, okay? Because as kids, we're way more sensitive to that kind of stuff. We don't, it doesn't register as that, but we're way more sensitive to it. Yeah, that makes sense. So you were feeling her kind of anxiety. She, yeah, you were feeling her anxiety about it. And you were also feeling her like, I just need her to get better. I just need her to get better. I need her to be healthy. I need her to get better. I need her to be normal. I need her to be a normal kid. I need her to be like, I need her to catch up with her, her peers and not be sick anymore. I need this. I need this. I need I need this to improve. Okay. Okay. So all of that laid this ground for you to feel like you like weren't strong enough, like you had to perform, like you had to have your T's crossed and your I's dotted because you like took that on, like you absorbed that from her without even realizing it. Right. And then it, and I think that it, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. And then it, and then it manifested in a different form when you started getting into trouble. And then when she scolded you, it would be like, well, you're so smart. Why are you acting like this? Like, you know, better. Rather than it being met with like the compassion of like, I I know that you went through a lot of stuff and that's why you're acting out right now. We should go take you to a therapist. Okay. So there were several things that kind of fed into that, but that's why you're so freaking hard on yourself. Okay. You feel this need to constantly be getting better. Right. 
That's where that comes from, though. Okay. That makes sense. Because I was seeing, like, her babying somebody, and I just I assumed it was your sister, but <laughs> that makes more sense that it's you, honestly. Um, yeah, and your sister, your sister has resentment about that. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And I think still to this day. But it also kind of sowed some some seeds of, oh, yeah, I'm sure. It, sibling dynamics are always kind of a little messed up. But I just I want to touch on this before it kind of like leaves me because my brain's like an open vessel when I'm having these discussions. Um, so her babying you is also kind of why you feel so scared and like so like not capable. Does that make sense? Like that's why you're like I didn't I I don't feel like I've grown up. I don't feel like whatever is like you had this very like ACDC childhood where like sometimes it, you were really being boobied. Sometimes she was like checked out because she was grieving. Sometimes you were dealing with like some shame stuff that didn't really get addressed. Like you just had a lot of instability and not just life instability, but on top of that emotional instability where you got the extremes of one parent and the other parent was gone and it was replaced by an alcoholic. Okay. So like all of this is why you have this fear issue. All of this is why you have a self-sabotage issue is because like you just didn't have a stable foundation to really like grow and learn off of. You were just kind of, again, thrust into like the storm of life. But now you're an adult you can weather the storm and you can navigate it, right? Because you are capable. I know you don't feel like it sometimes, but you are capable. Thank you. You're welcome. You can be the mom that you needed during those times when your mom couldn't show up for you. Like you're perfectly capable of it. Right. And going into this with your sister, your sister is going through her own journey right now. I, um. I feel like she's kind of in the beginning of it, like where she's still like really ang angry and resentful and hasn't quite figured out how to get through the the trauma and the pain of it. Yeah. And I kind of feel like she's just blaming any anything and everything around her rather than looking at it from like an internal standpoint, if that makes sense. Uh, that makes sense. And that's 100 percent true. So this is a phase she's going through, though. I, I honestly do feel like it might take a year or two, but I honestly do feel like she, she'll get through the other side of this. And, and I honestly think that like maybe you guys could help each other work through it together. I know that sounds kind of like you're like, oh, fuck that <laughs> right now. but <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but, but I know, but as she starts seeing you kind of improve and grow and let go of some of the trauma and let go of the things that like, she knows you you've dealt with. I think it might inspire her to actually like take some responsibility or, or do some self-reflection. Right. Well, I, I would hope so. I mean, currently I, it just kind of was brought to my attention in the last couple of years that when we do fight or argue, that it is re-triggering my childhood trauma because she was also abusive. Um, 
So I had, you know, my stepdad is an abuser. And then my sister and I were both fairly miserable during that time. And she took her shit out on me. And I've just realized in the last couple of years that that dynamic is still kind of at play. And especially in this last year where I was like, I am no longer willing to play out this codependent dynamic where you take your shit out on me. And, but according to her, since I've brought up that her behavior sometimes triggers my childhood trauma of being abused by her. And I mean, bad, like way worse than my stepdad. Um, Now she blames me for the entire fucked up dynamic between us because she said, you need to deal with your childhood trauma. It's not even worth us working on our issues until you deal with your childhood trauma. And I was, and I'm kind of like, well, you realize that it only gets triggered when you're you're, part of it, when when you're (laughs) a certain, you know, when you're being mean to me or awful to me or whatever. So I think some space between you guys is good. Like I I know that you said that you're just kind of on quasi speaking terms, but when you're going through this healing process and you really commit to it, the less people you have in your sphere, especially or your aura, uh, the less people you have in there, especially the less people with low vibration energy that are tied to trauma for you, the better. Okay. Is she older than you? Yes. Just two years. Okay. Uh, Yep. All right. So your dad dying, you being sick, your mom checking out, the stepdad coming into the equation, like she went through all of that too. And where yours manifests internally as anxiety and fear, hers is manifesting as anger, but it's the same thing. It's just a different side of the coin. Right. But your sister isn't choosing to be self-aware or work on it because if she was like, yes, candidly, triggering stuff isn't great, right? But you do need to work through some things so that you aren't triggered, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's like she's half right on that. Yeah, it's both. Yeah. She's half right on that. You do need to work through that stuff. But but at the same time, do you know how hard it is to heal a wound when it's constantly being reopened again by the same person who started it? Like, if she's constantly re-traumatizing you, it's not even triggering. If she's constantly re-traumatizing you by continuing to be abusive, then you can't heal from that. Like, if someone keeps stabbing you in the same spot with a knife, like, it's never going to fucking heal. Like, that's just, that's absurd. Right. So. I think some time and space between you guys is actually going to be a good thing um, for you. And I, I honestly think it might be a good thing for her. Um, I've, I've felt that that as well. Yeah. And I, like I said, I think she's like on the beginning of this journey of kind of starting to understand. And I, you might've triggered it by having that conversation with her, <laughs> but I think right. she's starting to understand that she, why she's so angry I don't think she is fully understanding how it manifests with her though. Yeah. Um I think just give it some time and space. I I do think that that's healthy and I think telling her like I am working on myself, but I also need you to work on yourself and not be 
an awful bitch to me because (laughs) healed or not, I'm not going to be okay with that behavior. I don't treat you like that. I do not treat me like that. That's a boundary of mine. And if you're not willing to abide by that boundary, then like you can't be in my life. Right. It's literally as simple as that. Yes. And I know that that's, that's painful because it's family. Right. But ultimately you can't keep people in your life who are constantly damaging you or who are victimizing you and then blaming you for it and gaslighting you and telling you that it's all your fault. Like it, that's, that's unhealthy. Yes. So from that standpoint, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be candid with you. I, I, I do think you, you guys should like, Maybe go no contact for a year or two. It's already been, well, we had some blowout fights, one on Christmas last year and then one on Easter. And that was the worst one we've ever had. And part of that was because I started realizing the codependent dynamic. And I think the pendulum went from one side and instead of like hanging down to the center where it's like, I need to like calmly draw some boundaries. It was like, fuck mm-hmm. you. You're not going to treat me this way yeah. anymore. And I kind of like had a little yeah, you explosion there. And, but, <laughs> but to be quite honest, I mean, her behavior was even worse. So, you know, it's just a dynamic that we are stuck in. And I think we're both realizing there's some codependent stuff there and, Um, I do think it manifests in me as like a deep sadness, whatever it is. And with her, it's definitely anger. And so you definitely nailed that one. When I say no contact, though, I mean, like, no holidays. Okay. I mean, like, literally, like, just be like, we can't be around each other until you acknowledge that your behavior is not okay and you abide by my boundary of don't treat me like that. Right. Because I don't treat you like that. These are boundaries are just rules for engagement in my world. I I hold myself to these rules, too. So this isn't being unfairly applied. I'm not, you know, only attacking you for this. This is a rule for literally everyone in my world. Yes. I would set that boundary with her and say, until you can abide by this boundary, I can't have you in my world because I'm working on healing this wound. But every time that you come at me like that, it opens the wound back up again and then it's fucking impossible to heal it. So very literally, you are causing me to not be able to heal this wound while telling me that like, well, working on our our relationship, it doesn't even make any sense until you heal that wound. Like, like, bitch, you're making it so I can't. Well, and also so. it's like blatantly obvious to me that she's also having childhood trauma come up. Like it's super obvious to me, but for whatever reason, she wants to point the finger at me and make it all that it's all my fault, you know? So yeah, that, but that's because that's a, that's a, this issue for her, mm-hmm. right? That's a, this doesn't need to be looked at. I feel ashamed of this. Like it needs to go back here. right? So I think you need to take your own journey. Right. And and I'm obviously still stay in contact with your mom because you love her and you guys have a good relationship and, and you were willing to talk to her about stuff. But I think some separation from your sister, like actual no contact for a year or two is, is going to be healthy. And and I would just say it lovingly to her of like, hey, look, I don't wish you any ill will whatsoever. Like I love you and I wish nothing but the best for you. But like this is a destructive pattern. I'm trying to work on myself and I can't have you around like basically sabotaging me while I'm trying to do it. Right. 
Because each time one of those events takes place, like you're being re-traumatized. Right. Right. And so right now, that's why like I tell everybody to go into a hermit phase when they're healing of like just kick everybody out of your energy and just literally like focus on you because you can't look in I saw I saw this quote today, it's perfect. You can't look in the reflection of boiling water. And when you have everybody else in your energy, that water is just constantly fucking moving because they're they're you know touching it and they're poking it and they're they're doing all of this stuff to like boil the water. So until you can remove all of the variables that cause that, which is external variables, and sit with yourself and get still so that you can look into the water and really truly see who you are, it's very hard. Like it's very very hard. I had to. I kicked out so many people out of my life when I went on my healing journey. Like so many. Nick will chime in, but I think I went from like three thousand friends on Facebook down to like four hundred, down to like sixty, down to like. 40. Wow. And most of those people I don't talk to about hardly anything. I cut off people that I was friends with because literally they were bringing up shit from my my past through like their bad behavior and their own issues in their family. Like I just I cut everybody out of my life. I cut my entire family out with the exception of my uncle. So well, two uncles. Yeah, it was it was good for you. I mean, you were simply curating your input into your life. So mm-hmm. I think you're just trying to eliminate all this, all that noise and that, uh, that kind of, kind of bothered you that, that, you know, either didn't allow you to kind of look into yourself. Like you're saying, like, I think that quote you said, of, can't look into, can't see your reflection in boiling water. Like you're just, you know, getting it down to a simmer and then maybe to a, a little steady, steady royal so i mean you you just eliminated a, uh, a lot of a lot of the people that kind of weren't great for you and um i don't know it was just it was an improvement in your in your overall life yeah and i cut out a lot of people that projected their shit onto me like your sister does to you okay because like when people are projecting their shit onto you you start taking it on as like am i the problem is it me like right am i the you know Versus when you're by yourself, like, and you become brutally honest with yourself, you'll know when you're the problem. You'll go, oh, fuck, I'm the problem here. <laughs> like, there won't be this, like, well, I don't know. They're telling me I'm the problem. So am I the problem? Right. You get to check in with yourself better, right? You get to get in touch with that warrior aspect of you. You get to be in touch with all of those things on a much deeper level. And when you're not still inside, and you have all of this external like energy pushing into your your aura it's it's oh it's damn near impossible to do that so like there's nothing wrong with hermit mode it, and especially if you give people a heads up hey man i'm i'm on a healing journey and i might disappear for the next 3 or 4 months like don't take it personally but i just i really need to like go be a monk basically and then I think you'll be surprised. Yeah, and I've, I'm already kind of like that where I'm not on, I'm never on Facebook. Like I go on there on my birthday because I know everyone's going to be wishing me a happy birthday. And I'm like, thanks, thanks, yeah. thanks. And then I'm not on there for another like six months. So I'm already pretty checked out when it comes to like people notice, you know, I have a, a good solid support system, but beyond that, I'm not like in super close contact with a ton of people on a regular basis, I guess. Yeah. But even that very close circle that you have, if you have someone who like 
likes to come and just vent to you and like you become their therapist, like you're going to have to create some space between you and those people too. So that's why I'm saying of like going into hermit mode is you got to remove any anybody else's negative shit out of your world for a little bit so that you can just be like, here's my negative shit. Right. Like I'm not looking at yours. I'm not looking at anybody else's right now is me time. I have to do this for me because I can't move forward if I don't do this. Yeah. And so you might have to tell that friend that comes and complains to you all the time. Hey, man, I'm so sorry. I know that I'm usually your rock, but like I need to be my own rock right now. And I just don't have the emotional bandwidth for it because I'm digging into some really like deep shit for me. Okay, That makes sense. And there are some people in my life. like. And if they're yeah. And if they're if they're good, loving friends, they'll be like, oh, I totally get it. You know, I'm here for you if you need to talk. And if they're not good friends. But they've seemed like good friends, they'll exit out of your life pretty quickly because they'll stop getting something from you. Okay. Okay, so I just need to warn you to be prepared for that because that did happen with a couple people that I thought I was closer with. I'll tell you what, though, after they left, I was like, what was I really getting out of that? Like, hmm. And then I realized that it really wasn't a whole lot, even though I thought it was before I put that boundary up of like, I just need space. Okay. But every time you make that space and every time you kind of clear out stuff, guess what? You make space for something that is meant for you to come in. So you'll make space for someone else who you will get something back from, who won't just use you as a dumping ground or whatever, if that's what they're doing. Do you get what I'm saying? I do. And it there's, there's goodness that comes from it. It makes me a little nervous because I feel like that about, you know, some of my close friends, I guess. Yeah, but how close are they really if they're not giving back, right? Or if they're not willing to give you the space to work through your shit, like how good of friends are they really? So that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think they, I think they will. I think they will. I get your point. Yeah, yeah. you just, who knows? Your friends might be super supportive of it and be like, hey, man, we're here when you're done. Like, <laughs> we'll be here for five years if that's as long as it takes. But if you have some people that are literally just like, oh, well, you're not going to be my free therapist anymore. Well, then fine. Fuck you. And they disappear out of your life. Just good riddance. Just trust me on that. Yeah. It won't feel like it when it first happens because you'll be like, oh, my God, what the hell? But long term, you'll be like, fuck, I really was just like listening to their negativity for hours upon hours of whatever. And then like. Like I needed some time to myself and they couldn't even like wait through that. Like, screw this person. Yeah. So I'm just. That's something that nobody talks about on the healing journey is that there's a lot of loss before the good stuff comes in. But it's it's literally like, you know, I, I use this as an example with a friend of mine who who is in the the clearing phase, right? That's what, what I call it, where you just clear out everything. And she's like uncomfortable right now. And, and I get that. And I told her, I said, hey, it's, it's like you had this old broken down couch in your living room and the couch is like dilapidated and falling apart. and but you have to move it out of your apartment to make room for the new couch to come in. And right now, like that in-between phase where you lose everything and then you're just wondering like, why the fuck did I do this? It's because you're sitting on a box because there's no couch in there yet. But then when the new couch comes in, you'll be even more appreciative because you went through that weird phase of like, I'm sitting on a box because I don't have a couch. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So it's kind of like if you think about your head or your heart as like your own internal home, 
you're clearing out a bunch of shit in the attic that needs to be cleared out and you're clearing out a bunch of like the old furniture and stuff that needs to be cleared out to make room for the new stuff to come in. But there is a weird in-between phase where like your furniture's just not ready yet and you're going to be like, why did I do this? At least with the old thing, even though it was giving me tetanus probably, at least I had something <laughs> to sit on, you know? Yeah. So I just, nobody talks about that phase and it's a, it's a really uncomfortable phase and everybody goes through it. It's totally normal though. And there is good stuff that comes. It, it always does because you've told the universe, like, I'm not willing to accept this old raggedy ass shit anymore. Like I'd rather be without it than be with it. And when you do that, the universe responds back with, okay, well you need new furniture. So here you go. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so we're an hour and 44 minutes into this. I am going to go ahead and and divert into some mediumship to see if anybody's here for you because I know that you've had a lot of loss and I, I don't want to ignore that part of this. Okay. I'm getting a male figure who looks like he's probably in his late 30s, maybe, well, late 30s, maybe to mid 40s. He's very tall and he's got dark brown hair. Is that? He has kind of like sunken features a little bit. Well, I don't know if this is a spirit guide or if this is a past loved one just because of the way he came in was like really abrupt. Okay. Well, if it maybe as we go along, I'll figure out if it's who I recently lost, who I was hoping would come through. He's not super tall. So he just. Well, super tall to me is like any, I'm five foot three. So super tall is anything over like five ten. <laughs> okay. Um, he's saying he's a friend from school. Okay. Did you go to college with this guy maybe? Um, did you say friend from school or did I mishear that? Okay, this is weird. Is there any chance that I misheard school for tool? Like the band tool or like something with tools. Um, He's not coming through super clearly. So I'm kind of having to play like pantomiming sure. stuff with him. Um, I did lose a friend that was in his late thirties two years ago. Um, He's got a very boisterous personality. So I find it a little bit hard to believe that he wouldn't be coming through strong. <laughs> well, no, he might not be coming through strong because I'm tired though, right? So we're like an hour and 45 minutes okay. into this and normally I do this at an hour. So this might be a me thing, not a him thing. Okay. He did just point at the screen though when you said that. Okay. Okay. He's showing me him eating something with mustard on it. Oh my God. <laughs> Is this him? It it I, It definitely could be. Yeah. That was so random. I was like, he was a kind of a crazy character. If it's a, if it's who I think I, it is, and we were at a festival and we had our camp was uh like a diner, like an old diner, but it was all a big joke. It was very funny. And at one point, he took the cap, the mustard bottle, and sprayed it all over himself as like a joke. Okay. I think that's what I was seeing because it was a massive amount of mustard. That's why I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, It was a camp where we served hot dogs only. And that's where I met him. 
This is him. Okay, cool. So this is him because I, okay, I, you know, I should have just said it. This is what I get for doubting myself. So he showed me like a, like a white wrapper, like the ones that like the New York hot dogs come in when you eat them on the street. Uh huh. And he showed me him squeezing a fuck ton of mustard onto it. I'm sure. And I was like, I was like, what is this? Like, well, that might've just been him communicating because that's where you guys met. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like. But I didn't want to say that because I was like, why is he showing me a hot dog with a ton of mustard on it? Like, yeah. Did he like the band? Oh, that tool? makes sense to me. I think so. I think that's what I heard. I don't think he said I'm a friend from school. I think he said I'm a friend. I like tool. Okay. Like the band tool. Because like <laughs> afterward when I asked him, he was, I, I got tool and I was like, like the band? I, I'm pretty sure he was a big tool fan. Yeah. Was he a taller dude? Not terribly. I would say he was kind of average height for a male. But he wasn't like real skinny. No, just kind of average. Okay. I hope that it's who I think it is. Okay. So he's like showing him playing air guitar and like banging his head. So I'm guessing that was like a confirmation of the tool thing. Okay. Now he's showing me handcuffs for some reason. Okay. Like metal ones, not like fuzzy ones. Right. I was a troublemaker. Oh. (laughs) That's what he said. Can you, yeah, can you just talk to me rather than showing me images? Sorry. Or do both, but I need some context on images. (laughs) That's okay. The troublemaker thing makes sense. Did you say like she likes to go dancing or you guys like to go dancing? I like to go dancing. Oh, yes. He's he was a dancer. Major, major dancer. Okay, so he didn't say anything, but he just gave me this like over oh this overwhelming feeling of love. Like, like he fucking adored you. Oh. I had so much fun with her, is what he just said. Yeah. She's really cool. She thinks she's not. She thinks she's an old lady for some reason, but she's really cool. And then, yeah, he's showing me, like, you guys at festivals. Mm -hmm. We even went to Burning Man together one year. That's actually what I'm seeing. So, because I saw him with, like, some crazy hat on or something and you with, like, like your boobs out. (laughs) Not, not, like, just out, but, like, in some sort of bustier or just a very revealing kind of. um, And I'm even, like, I know this is weird, but I even got, like, the almost, like, the goggles or whatever. Like, yeah. that's what he kind of was just showing me, that. Mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And we did have so much fun together. Like, so much. Yeah, he's telling me to tell you that, like, you're a cool girl and you don't give yourself enough credit for that. Thank you. She needs to go... <laughs> I feel like I need to like kind of say this in like his voice. He's like, 
she needs to go out and party, man. Like, with, <laughs> like man, at the end of it. It have been kind of a homebody tell- recently. Yeah, he said, tell her life's not all doom and gloom. Yeah. She knows that. She's had fun. Yeah. But when times get hard, she just shuts down. And then he showed me like a turtle, like poking its head back into the shell. Yeah. She's like a turtle, man. (laughs) (laughs) I can just hear him saying that. (laughs) Okay. So for those of you who are listening, we're both in Colorado. Um, So marijuana is legal here. He's literally showing me like lighting up a J. Yeah. And then giving and then he's giving you a thumbs up. So like I think he's <laughs> <laughs> he approves of your of your smoking. Okay. And I'm sure that's something we did together also. Did you have a boyfriend he didn't like? Cause he just showed me like a flash of some guy and then said he was a dick. Um or it might have been a He might have it might have been one of my friends. Yeah, he's like nodding, like as you're saying that. I think he, I might know who, I think I might know who he's talking about. And he said he was a real, it was one of my friends that didn't really care for, for him. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. I'm kind of getting that they didn't like each other, but he is telling me that like he doesn't, that guy doesn't appreciate you like you should be appreciated, is, is what he said. Like he didn't appreciate her like she should have been. Okay. She did a lot for him. And he took advantage. And fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I kind of get the sense that like he felt like this guy kind of used you as like I don't know how to put this. Like his backup plans, not in like a romantic way, but like like this guy would like he just keeps saying he took advantage. He took advantage. I'm going to have to think about that a little bit more and see if anything comes up. But as of right now, I think I might be, I think I might know who he's talking about, but I might have to put a little more thought into it. He just said she knows who I'm talking about. Okay. Interesting. He wasn't a very, he wasn't a very good friend to her is what he's saying. Yeah. Like I kind of got the sense that like he, Whoever this guy is, like he would hang out with you, but like if he had other better plans, like he would like kind of always go for that first. Does that make sense? Like you weren't in his like group A necessarily. And he's like pissed off about it because he's like, she was group A material. Like she should have always been in group A. She was so much fun. That guy was a dick. (laughs) Okay. He just literally said to me, like, you got it. <laughs> I'm so happy he's coming through. I've been trying to call him in for the last, like, week or two. He just told he, he just told me, like, tell her. I, <laughs> it's funny that you said that because, like, <laughs> he literally just said, tell her I'm, wa- I'm watching over her. That's so interesting because, and not surprising because he's been passed for two years and just over the last, like, I don't know, maybe like six months. I feel like I was holding him at arm's length, like on a spiritual level for whatever reason. Like, I don't even know what the reason is exactly, but 
recently I've kind of opened that doorway back up where I'm like, I wonder if he's still around and I wonder if he's like looking out for me or if he's like a spirit guide now. And ever since I started, he's like, I've been around. Exactly. And ever since I started asking that question, I have had some crazy experiences with him showing me that he is around that I would love to tell you about another time. Did he die of a drug overdose or some sort of cardiac event? Yes. Okay. This is that's proof for you that this is who that this is who this is. Yeah. He just put it in my body. Ooh, Ooh. I'm sorry. Yep. That's okay. I asked, so it was my fault. <laughs> okay. I thank you. It's unfortunate. He he OD'd um, intentionally. Can you can you talk to her about that? So because I'm I'm sure that that was hard for her. He goes, I know. He goes, man, I just fell out of love with life. Yeah, it started being no fun, you know. Yeah, <laughs> life just got to be such a downer. It was during COVID. It was right when it was during when um, quarantine was happening and like nobody could go out. Nobody could do anything. And he was such a social person that I just think he couldn't deal. So I asked him, I said, was it COVID? And he just said um, it started before COVID. Well, yeah, I I know that, too. Yeah. Yeah. He said it, it had been happening for a few years. He he was someone that never really fit in, and I've heard you talk about that in our other podcasts about how we none of us really fit in, but he really didn't fit in, and I kind of feel the same way about myself. Yeah, he, I mean, I totally feel you on that. I do not fit in at all, and now I have all this weird psychic shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. I kind of get the sense, though, that, like, he didn't ever really want to grow up. No. Like, he enjoyed that and that life st- – He it was almost like he couldn't go be who he wanted to be anymore because there was this expectation of him being a grown-up. And it made him feel very lonely. It it made him feel kind of – yeah, like an outcast, but in like a on a different level of, like, like, I can't go party with these kids, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. But like, but like my, my party group, like, isn't partying the way that they used to. And so like, what's there to live for, really? Yeah, he was definitely very childish <laughs> in the way he kind of showed up in the world. He he said he was like, I just wanted to have a good time. That's literally what we would always say. We'd always be like, we just want to have a good time. We just want to meet people. That's what we would always say. So he just said, I'm happy here. It's like a party 24-7. I knew he would. I knew he would be happy there. And I'm glad to hear that. He, he did say, I'm sorry I left you like that, though. Just, I hope, I hope she knows there's like nothing she could have done. Right. It was just my time, man. I wasn't terribly surprised. We had already been out of contact for several years when this happened, but I do consider him a soulmate. Oh. He goes, me too. And then he just got this like, 
like kind of happy look on his face. Like his, his eyes kind of, I wish I, his eyebrows literally like made his eyes double in size and he just had this sweet, like look on, on his face. Yeah. I think we had that kind of connection. Yeah. He said, he said, I loved her. Yeah. He loved you. He said, I loved her. I, that He gave it to me earlier. Like he, he freaking adored you. I don't like I don't get the sense that you guys were on a romantic level necessarily, but this kind of love is like, yeah, like best friend love almost. Yeah, that's correct. I loved him, too, and I still love him. And he literally immediately said, I know she does. OK, because I kind of pushed him out of my life um, at some point, And I kind of have a little bit of guilt about that, even though I know that doesn't hold it against me it's there's still a little piece of guilt there that I didn't let him back in my life even knowing the connection that we have but he knows that he came with a lot of chaos and I just yeah so he literally said oh no man water under the bridge like literally okay he goes she was going through some stuff and I was a lot yeah He goes, but I don't blame her for that, you know. Not everybody likes loud music 24-7. He was a lot. (laughs) Okay, but he's also giving me this, like, he has a a little bit of regret here, too, where he's like, I wish I could have mellowed my, like, did you say mellowed? Yeah, I wish I could have, like, mellowed myself or, like, tempered myself a little bit. So I could have been a better friend for her overall. Yeah, that makes sense. He said, I just, I didn't, I just didn't have that capability. Right. I am who I am. Right. <laughs> what he just said. Yeah. Boy, I'm glad you showed up like this now because you were real faint in the beginning. Oh, really? Yeah, he goes, I wasn't sure if she would want to talk to me. I've literally been calling on him like, hey, you better fucking show up for this. <laughs> and one of my other friends, too. But So why weren't you sure if, if she's been calling out to you? Oh, because he has, he has some shame around the way he left. Okay. Well, I, I, well, to use his terms, it's water under the bridge. I totally understand. And... Especially, you know, being who he is. Just, I understand. I do not hold it against him. And I love him no matter what. He said, tell her I love her. And then showed me him, like, hugging you and, like, wrapping his arms around you. But, like, patting your back in, like, a playful kind of, like, like, a sweet but kind of buddy-ish way, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know if he was that kind of hugger. But he, like, squeezed you and was like, like. Yeah. It was just a very playful, like, sweet hug. Okay. Makes me sad to say I don't remember his hug. (laughs) He goes, you tell her, you tell her when she comes up here, we're going to have the party of our lives. Yeah. I don't doubt that. Yeah. And then he should, did you guys do, did you guys spend New Year's together one one year or something? Because he's showing me these, like, kind of crazy glasses. And then he showed me him, like, blowing, like, a, not a kazoo, but what's that? the party thing that like unravels yeah. and makes a kazoo noise. Um, it's hard for me to recall. Um, 
He said it wasn't New Year's, it was Cinco de Mayo. Okay, well, that would make sense. We we always had fun. We were always doing something fun. Yeah, he <laughs> he had on these like crazy glasses is, is what he's showing me. Oh, he would just wear like that, stuff like that for no reason. Oh, why are you bringing up Cinco de Mayo? Yeah, so it didn't it didn't need to be a holiday. <laughs> oh, okay. So he's bringing up Cinco de Mayo because he's like bringing up margaritas and like. Oh, he's giving me that. It, we might have spent a Cinco de Mayo together. He's kind of giving me that, like, um, uh, it's hard for me to recall, like cheeseburger in paradise kind of vibe. Does, uh, what? Who is uh, Jimmy Buffett? Is that right? We were really into yacht rock. That's why. Yeah, I was like trying to figure this out. I was like, it went from like Cinco de Mayo to like, yeah, like I was getting tropical. I just read it as as that. Yeah, I, it, it might be a reference to Yacht Rock, which I love. I think it is because I, I like literally got like Jimmy Buffett after it kind of progressed into what he was actually kind of showing me. Okay. And we did listen to a lot of music together. Okay, he's showing me like, I think he wants you to like listen to Jimmy Buffett or Yacht Rock and like jam out in your, your bedroom and dance. Like, that's like literally what he's showing me is like you just jamming out by yourself, dancing around, doing a weird guitar thing like he was doing earlier. Okay. He goes, I want her to have fun. Get that body moving, you know, like. Yeah. And he even did like a little jig for me. Oh, good. Okay. Well, he literally just said, tell her not to worry. It'll all be great. Are Are we just referring to life? He goes, yeah, it it can be smooth sailing, was literally what he said. That sounds like a Yacht Rock reference. (laughs) Kind of. And he's just like, all right, I'm going to head out. Oh, well. You tell her I'm around and to have fun. And is it something to where I can call upon him as like a spirit guide? Yeah, he literally just said, she she can just talk to me. I just saw an orb. I'm not surprised. I was kind of questioning if there was, because I saw, I saw him kind of like move through the room when he first came in. He goes, she can call me anytime. Okay. Thank you. Just say my name and I'll be there. Thank you so much. Do you have chimes at your house? Because he's showing me like chimes for some reason. Um... Yeah, I have some wind chimes out back. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, it could easily be like a festival or Burning Man reference that I'm not. No, I I think it's your chimes on your back porch. Okay. I think he's. I think he's kind of saying like, if it's not real windy and all of a sudden the chimes just kind of go off, that might be him. Okay. Because he very specifically like showed me like, like at a house. Okay. He said, just give him a ring. All right. Did you have a guy with like either very light brown hair or blonde hair with glasses? That's no longer with us? Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend. Well, let's see. Glasses. Gosh, I've lost so many people. I'm trying to 
His hair's kind of long. It's not like not long like mine long, but just kind of long for for a guy's hair and kind of like like a little surfer duty. Yeah, yeah, bit. like a skater guy kind of. Y- yeah. Yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. He just like literally like pulled up a chair and is like sitting next to me, whoever this is. Younger. Mhm. Like 20s is kind of what I'm getting. 20s, maybe early 30s max. Yeah, I had a friend that also took his own life um, in our early 20s that uh, was also a soulmate. Not romantically, but just soul family. Yeah, he just goes, she knows who I am. Oh, hi. (laughs) He just literally, I said, I said, hey, you know, what can I do for you? And he goes, tell her I love her. I I kind of think I helped him cross over at shortly after he said he she died. did. Yeah, she did. Like literally, just quickly. He he like you didn't you barely even finished that sentence. I've always I've always known that. He said I appreciate her and everything she's done for me. And he said I want her to know I keep an eye on her. Oh. He said I'm there when she's sad. Did you? <laughs> this is an odd question because you don't strike me as the kind of person that would watch this kind of stuff. But do you watch like, like chick flicks, like Lifetime kind of sad type girl stuff sometimes when you're feeling bummed? I do watch some weird, just random things that you probably wouldn't guess. On and me. it specifically has to do with whatever you watch when you're sad, though, because he's showing me him like you curled up on the couch, like under a blanket. And like I can get, I can literally feel that you're sad, and he's like sitting on the couch next to you, just like vibing. That's so sweet. Like he just comes to be with you when you're sad. But it literally looks like you're watching. Well, I guess it could be like Law and Order. It just looks like that, like cheesy shot stuff. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Um, one of my go-to shows to watch when I'm kind of in a depressed state is. The Great British Baking Show, because which is super cheesy, but like it's there's no possibility of anything sad or disturbing or weird, depressing, and I just know it's going to be all upbeat British people baking. Yep, he did tell me to tell you. He said, "Tell her I want her to move on with her life. She can't hang in the past. She has a future ahead." And the sooner she turns to the future, the brighter it gets. Man, he is like coming through clear as a bell. Oh, wow. He's kind of saying that like he, his, I don't, I'm trying to figure out how to put this in words because he gave it to me in a feeling. Um, Like his shit got to him and he, he doesn't, he doesn't want that to happen to you. Like he wants you to like let go of the past, like is literally what he just said. I don't want life to take her down the way it took me down. Okay. You know, she's got a lot of things to be grateful for. And yeah, a lot of things that suck. But 
but I just want her to see she's got a bright future ahead of her. And I'm there with her every step. I've been there with her for 10 years now. It's been more and than, I'm not more going than away. that. <laughs> it's been more than that if it's who I think it is. But long time. Yeah, but I, he specifically said 10. So I don't know what has happened in the last 10 years of your life that he's like been around like constant, inconstant. Okay. That makes sense. He said she called upon me one day. I've been around ever since. Huh. Okay, that's weird. He just like opened up a magazine or a book and then pointed at something on the page. I'd have to think about it. Ten years is a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I think it's an obituary, though. And that's the feeling I'm getting off of it. Something about I don't know why he would show passing. it in a book, but. Well, yeah, like, was he in a magazine or something? No, but we grew up together. Um, we were close friends from third grade through high school and and then beyond. But then he ended up, you know, taking his own life. And when we just after we even had the same birthday, his birthday was a day apart of mine. And he took himself out when we were just shy of our 21st birthdays. So he was very young. He literally just said, like, that shit's hard. Are you just referring to life? He goes, yeah, that existence, it's hard. It's, yeah, and I, I was, I had some anger towards him when it first happened, um, just because of, like, the circumstances and the way it all went down. But um, he was definitely not in his right mind when, when he did that. Yeah, he goes, that's totally understandable. I'd be mad at me, too, if I was still alive. Right. Well, I, I, I forgive him. I'm not holding on to that or anything, but it just at first, you know. He goes, I know she did. I know she did. Good. He goes, tell her every. I know everything. Tell her. <laughs> <laughs> did he OD too? Um, no, but he was doing a lot of substances at the time that he passed. Yeah, because he, so he. It was pretty traumatic. Yeah, so he showed me like a pile of drugs and pills and cocaine and stuff. Yeah, that would be accurate. I don't know the details of what he was, you know, it was like all the, he was on all, he was doing like all the things. Yeah, that's actually like, that's kind of why I asked is I was like, did he just like go out with a bang? Because this is like a lot of drugs. He actually did go he, out with a bang. He just said he was trying to escape. I know. He went out with a bang, but in the other sense of no, the word. No, I know. I, I saw it after I asked you. I just didn't want to bring it up. So. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Yeah, it was pretty traumatic. Yeah, I was a little confused though because like I got drugs and then I also saw like the bang. Yeah, he was like high. He was high out of his gourd when he did it, and he had been doing a ton of drugs leaving leading up to that. Which I lived in Denver at that time, and he was still back home, <sighs> so I wasn't super clued into it until after it all happened. And then everyone's like, "Yeah, he was doing this and that." And the night before he did it, he was up all night drinking for twenty four hours and yada yada. So. 
he was definitely like out of his mind on drugs. He literally just said, I said, were you actually suicidal or was it just the drugs? And he goes, I was, but I wouldn't have done it had I not been on so many drugs. Yeah, I think that's very accurate. And that was part of why I was kind of upset. I mean, he just said they magnified everything. Yeah, that makes sense. He goes, but I want her to know I didn't feel any pain. Okay, good. He goes, it was just lights out. Yeah. He's like back to a, a... Are you showing me like a – he's like writing in it, whatever this book is, like a journal or a magazine. I wonder if it was like a yearbook because we went to junior high together. Oh, maybe. And that's why he was pointing at a specific part in the page. It could have been something like that. I mean, we went to elementary school, junior high. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is because so he was like writing in it or whatever and then he closed it shut and then he showed it to me again and it was like the the inside – sleeve not like whatever he was writing in was just like the book itself right does that make sense like not the pages in it but the actual like sleeve of the book Uh uh-huh which i have like he signed your yearbook and wrote in it oh i'm sure i I don't specifically remember that but we we went to junior high together which is when that would have probably taken place He's telling me that, like, you were cool, but you were also kind of a nerd, but you were, like, his nerd. Okay. Does that make sense? Probably. Like, he was, like, like in a in a, in a a playful way. So, in, yeah. like, a kind of, like, she was a dork, but she was my dork. Like, yeah. Yeah, we were really close. Yeah, he showed me you guys at, like, the cafeteria um, at school. Yeah. Like, all just, like, laughing and, and cutting up, like, in, in a literal cafeteria. Okay. And he's also showing me, is that a milk box or a juice box? I don't know. Or like a cup of fruit. He's showing me some sort of packaged food and him like putting it on your tray or you putting it on his tray. Okay. This is like very specific like – did you say I would share with her? Yeah. He's saying like he would like share his food with you. Oh. I mean I don't clearly recall that but I'm sure, you know, we went to elementary school together so that all kind of like makes sense. I think it was like both of you guys though. Like – He's trying to show me how close you guys were, that you guys would, like, share food with each other. Okay. That this wasn't just, like, somebody that you had at school, that you guys were, like, really close friends. We were, yeah. I don't know if this is my brain or if this is him, so I'm just going to throw it out there and say this might be my brain because this is something I did at that age. But did you guys used to go rollerblading together? (laughs) We might have. I definitely went through a rollerblading phase. Yeah, he's like showing me you guys on like a like a neighborhood street. Like and it it doesn't look like a brand new street. It looks like kind of an older one. It might have even been a, like a cul-de-sac because I'm seeing like a storm drain coming off the side of it. Okay. But he's showing me you like trying to like do that spinning stop and you just being kind of wobbly on your legs and him laughing hysterically. Yeah, because he was a skateboarder starting in, I don't know, junior high or high school. And so he would have had like really good balance and I probably didn't, you know. He's, he thinks it's really funny, like still. Okay. (laughs) Oh, was that kind of part of it? Okay. I think he kind of felt like you like, how do I put this? 
that you kind of like were trying to learn how to um, rollerblade because he was like into skateboarding and you kind of wanted to have something that was like you guys could kind of do it together. I mean, that that could be. And he just said she was cute. Oh. Ooh. He just said, I never got the nerve to ask her out. We did. We were each other's boyfriend, boyfriend, uh, girlfriend. We did. We met in third grade, but we did date briefly in fifth grade. This is how long this all goes back. Fifth grade. And we were each other's first French kiss in fifth grade. So we did briefly date and then we kind of just went back to being friends. I think that his feelings for you went into high school, though. Okay. And I think he wanted to ask you out and couldn't find the nerve because he didn't want to ruin your friendship. That would make sense because we were such close friends. He he literally just goes, you summed it up nicely. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's really nice. Like, his energy is just, like, kind of... Like boy next door, but in a sweet way. Does that make sense? Like he doesn't have like aggressive energy and he's not like, he's just kind of chill, like surfer dude. I guess that makes sense if he was a skateboarder, but. Yeah, that makes sense. Why did you just knock on the table and point at the laptop? I don't know why he's doing this, but he like knocked on the table and then pointed and then knocked on the table and then pointed. Okay. Is this like queen? Is this like doom doomch doom doomch? Is that what you're going after? Yeah, now he's singing We Will, We Will Rock You. Is that really what you were going after? It was. Interesting. I mean, that makes sense from that time of, you know, life, I guess. That's kind of we used to listen to oldies, you know, or I did. I don't specifically remember listening to it with him, but I'm sure that's a very real possibility. He's showing me you guys in the back seat of somebody's car listening to that song. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure that happened. And then he's showing me him like trying to hold your hand while that song was on. Okay. I don't remember that, but maybe. It was you guys were young, like, so this was probably, like, while you guys were boyfriend and girlfriend. Okay. I don't know if the timing on that lines up because I have no idea when that song came out, but. No, it would have been before that, I think. Well, I don't know either, (laughs) to be honest. Yeah, he goes, tell her I just had a crush on her the whole time. Oh, how sweet. She was the coolest girl I'd ever I'd I'd ever known. Wow. The sweetest too. That's quite a compliment. And I I feel like she really she really knew me. Right. Not not the me that I showed everybody else. Like she really knew me. Yeah. That resonates even with our last converse conversation before he passed, which was not long before he passed. We had a really interesting conversation. He's like literally telling me I should have told her I loved her back then. Oh, well, tell him I love him. He said I love her too. Ooh. Yeah, that's like romantic love though. Okay. Like that wasn't best friend love like your your last homie. This was like he loved you. Wow. Well, I guess I, I feel honored. Like I think he feels like you were the one that got away. Right. 
I could see that. I, I, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so spirit's cool. And then they'll sometimes communicate things to you in terms that, you know, because it's the most efficient way to say it, but he just whispered great white Buffalo. And like, that's a joke I have with Nick about like the one that got away. Okay. So he just confirmed that in, in a very funny way. Got it. That's fair. That's, that's sweet. And I take that as a, a big compliment. Do you work on a lot of Excel spreadsheets for your work? Because he's showing me like you like working on a spreadsheet of some sort and him like standing behind you in ghost form and like massaging your shoulders while you're doing it. I do work with like a lot of like Google calendar. Could it be that? Yeah, it totally could. It just, it's like a a form template is what I'm seeing. Yeah. Well, thanks for the massage. Thanks for the ghost massage. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh, okay. Ooh, you were a good friend. He goes, no, I try to, I try to put like calming energy into her so that she does like, cause she gets stressed when she gets like really like laser focused on stuff. Yeah. And he's like, I, I try and like give her good energy. Oh, thank you. Ooh, do you get, notice the tingles? Yeah. I'm wondering if it's the same for you as it is for me and Kelly. If. He's been touching you, and that's why you've been getting tingles. I do get it when I'm sitting at my desk a lot, which is where I'm sitting now at my desk. And also when I'm, like, chilling out at the end of the night to watch some Netflix or something, I get it a lot then, too. And I'm like, am I cold? No, those are the two places he showed me with you in your house. Oh, that's right. On the couch when you're sad and you're watching stuff, and then when you're working at your computer. See, I would have thought it would have been... The last guy that we were just talking to more than this one that was giving me the chills. So that's interesting. He goes, nope, it was me. Interesting. (laughs) Like even as much as like yesterday. Yeah, he goes, yeah, I wanted to let her know I was coming on the show. Wow. Okay. He goes, I let the other guy go ahead because I'm a gentleman. Yeah, and the other guy is kind of pushy. (laughs) Yeah. This guy's not. This guy has the best energy. Yeah. Like, I want to hang out with this guy. He's so sweet. Well, he is. And I would have had a crush on you when I was younger. I I probably did, too. Like, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to remember. I mean, it's been, you know, it's been a long time since he's been gone, you know. It's been over 20 years. Well, he's still showing up as, like, 20s version of himself. Like... I'm crap with ages. So I was like, is he twenties or is he early thirties? But he just has that kind of youthful. Yeah. The skater boy hair. Yeah. I asked him if he had anything else he wanted to say. Cause he's just hanging out Okay, <laughs> and he goes, Nope, just that I love her. And that I'm always around. And that's someone I could call on as like a spirit guide as well. Yeah. So the thing about calling on past lo- like loved ones who have passed for guidance they're not they still have their own agendas and don't take that personally because i'm not it's good information so um when you they're a little bit different than calling on like quote unquote spirit guides right because spirit guides have access to like your past present future like all of that and how things will be impacted by it versus your past loved ones are still very much the people that they were here they've just passed into a different 
like a different realm, if that makes sense. Okay. So they'll try and help, but they're still kind of like if if he was still living here, like he just gets to see more of it. Okay. Like they get to see more of your life and they'll give you their opinions on things and like, you know, hey, here's where I think this would help you or whatever. But it's a little bit different than like the team that's like your spirit guides, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. He just gave me a very floaty feeling in my head. That was that was strange. What was that? There's some song that's like, she's got her head in the clouds. Like, I don't know how the, <laughs> I have no idea how that song goes. He's like kind of humming it to me, but I can't, I don't know this song, so I'm not, but the lyrics are, she's got her head in the clouds. Okay. I'll, I'll look it up after this. It, it's kind of vaguely ringing a bell for me as well, but not like I, I'd have to like maybe look it up. Yeah, it's like super vague for me to the point of where I don't really hear what he's singing. <laughs> so I'm like, why? What's up? Why are you singing that song? He said, I was around the last time it played and I gave her a hug and she got chills. Okay. So pay, att- so pay attention to that song. Okay, I'll have to figure out what it is and then I'll I'll pay attention. If that's a love song, I'm really going to like fall out of my chair. <laughs> I feel like Nick's looking it up right now. He definitely is looking it up I right am, now. but there's there's several songs with like just head in the clouds or she's got a head. Wait, there's there's a bunch of different artists, you know, Alicia Keys and. Okay, I'll look it up. I don't know who Hey It Is or Baby Jake or Ramona. She, <gasps> there's there's several different note artists that. Kind of use that. I feel like it might be the Alicia Keys song. Oh, Girl on Fire. Oh. Oh, boy. This is a love song. <laughs> <laughs> is that by Alicia She's, Keys? It is. I know that song. I'm not super familiar with it, but I, I have heard it and I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it looks like a girl, but she's a flame so bright she can burn your eyes. Better look the other way. You can try, but you'll never forget her name. She's on top of the world. Hottest of the hottest girls, say. Wow. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> I'll have to l- I'll listen to it as soon as we get off. Yeah, it's oh yeah, it's that this girl is on fire. Yeah, yep, that's the <laughs> now one. I know that that's song. the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> he said, "It's how I feel about her." Wow, I know the world sucks, but she's bright like the sun. That's so sweet. And then he said, "Shine on you, crazy diamond." Wow, Pink Floyd is my all-time favorite band. That was a little nod from him of like, this is me. Yeah. And I listened to Pink Floyd since third grade. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he goes, tell her we can watch British baking show tonight. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I love him. <laughs> I wish he was stronger in my memory because it's been over 20 years. It's like. 
his personality isn't as strong as like the last guy that came through, for example, who's just, you know. But his personality from what I'm getting is not. He's very boy next door. Yeah. Like his. Don't take this the wrong way, either of you, but like he's a little vanilla in a good way. Right. Like he's, he's vanilla in like a wholesome way, but he's just. A little like, how do I put this? He's friendly, but like a little introverted is kind of what yeah. I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't think his personality is, you know, he's not super gregarious. Like those are always very memorable people, but I think he's just, he's chill and like chill is great, but it's also not super memorable. So I don't, I wouldn't take that as like a, you're not remembering him. I just think that his, he's a little more muted. Right. Especially compared to the last guy. <laughs> I mean, everybody other than like Elton John is muted compared to that last guy. Like, <laughs> so that true. guy was so wild. True, in, in the best way, but he was wild. Yeah. I don't know why he just showed me a spider crawling crawling across the floor for some reason. I'm afraid of spiders. What? That's the first thing that jumps to my mind. He said that's a good way for her to face her fears. Oh, he's been around this entire time we've been talking then. Great. I was hoping that wouldn't come up. (laughs) But I'm not surprised because I, you know, the whole facing your fears thing, I am pretty afraid of spiders. Okay. So he's showing me you putting like a Tupperware or something that's see-through over the spider. Just watching it. Rather than... Rather than killing it and just watching it. Oh, I don't it. kill. Then, I don't kill them. I'm too scared of them to even kill them. I don't kill anything ever. Okay. Maybe a fly or a mosquito, maybe, but even then, not so much. But um, I will trap them and put them outside if they're not too scary. And um, I'm, I'm lucky I don't get a lot of super scary spiders in my house. I think he's wanting you to just, like, observe him, though. Yeah, that makes like, sense. I thought you killed him. Like, I thought you vacuumed him up or something because I got the sense of, like, or fly swatted or stepped on him. But maybe that's just your aggression toward him. I was picking up on. Yeah. Only if it's, like, a black, only if it's, like, a black widow or something, like, super, like, yeah. He said she'll find a lot of things aren't as scary as she makes them out to be. Right. He said it's just that existence. It's just that existence. He goes, when you, when you, yeah, he goes, when you get on this side, you're like, man, I made that so hard. Like, that could have been so easy. Why did I make that so hard? I kind of feel like that's the theme of my life right now, in a way. With the fear and the procrastination and the. Yeah, but I think that's kind of this existence for everybody. Like, we just make shit a lot harder than it has to be. Okay. When in reality, we just kind of need to float and observe things. And so that's what he's telling you to do is observe something you're scared of. Right. (laughs) Okay. He just stood up and, like, kind of squeezed my shoulder gently and, like, like pet me and then walked away. (laughs) It's like, I'm out. Yeah, he was like, okay. He's like, I gave her a little nugget of, like, what she needs to do. I'm done. Well, thank you. Thank him. Thank you. Thank you all. (laughs) Do you have a grandfather who passed away? 
Yeah. Okay, so I have like an elderly man here who is pretty thin. Okay. And like, I want to say like 80s maybe. Yeah. My grandfather and he's, that I knew, one of them passed before I was even born, but the one that I knew was in his, well, he might have been in his early 90s actually, but yeah, like late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I'll yeah, be honest exactly. With you. When yeah. I give an age, there's like a ten a ten year gap right. somewhere because <laughs> I'm just really bad at judging ages. Okay. Um, he gave me like a lot of pressure and pain in in my head. So did he have an aneurysm or a stroke or something? Um, he had dementia. Oh, maybe that's why. I got head stuff, whatever that is. Yeah, when he died, I, I'm not sure. I think, you know, it felt like he was just kind of dying of old age, but there's definitely a possibility he could have had a stroke or something. And I just don't, didn't really know, you know? Yeah, because I almost got like like pain behind my eyes. Like it was that kind of pressure. Like, Okay. Was he religious? I think he actually, he, he might have been a little bit, but not like super that I knew of anyway. This is a... Very strong statement. Well, he said that man who hurt her is going to rot in hell. That's literally what he said. That was like the very first thing he said. I wonder if he's talking about my stepdad. He is. Okay. But he it the way he said it was with this like righteous, like biblical damnation like tone to it. It wasn't just like <laughs> that guy is gonna rot in hell. Like it was like that guy is going to rot in hell. Like it was this sermon on the mount kind of okay that's why i was asking if he was religious is because it was just i kind of got that feel from him sure he said she was a cute kid precocious and smart i'm not sure that i even know what precocious means to be honest (laughs) it means you're like kind of wise and smart beyond your years and like a little smart alky okay yeah that makes sense he said she had something to say about everyone (laughs) i can see that Okay, so, yep, so he's giving me, like, all of this in a feeling, like, in a clear cognizant, clear sentient mishmash, so I'm I'm going to feel around in this and kind of say what I'm feeling, but he essentially is telling me that, like, before the shit kind of hit the fan in your world, like, you actually had a good amount of confidence. Okay. And that you kind of shrunk inward. Like you started hiding yourself, like you started hiding that like precocious person. And then it just kind of came out as you being like the rebellious whatever, instead of it being this like lighthearted kind of fun, precociousness. Okay. He's wanting me to tell you like, that's who you are. You're not rebellious. That precociousness, it, it used to come out as humor. I do think I have a great sense of humor, <laughs> obviously. I think you still do, but but I think he was saying, like, you know how earlier you said, like, I think this is just my personality, that I'm rebellious? Okay, yeah. I think that the same element of you that makes you so funny is also what kind of turns into that rebellious nature. And so he's kind of, he's wanting me to tell you to, like, use that power for good, basically. <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah. Right. Because he was like, she would tell everyone about themselves. But like, he kind of said it in like a playful, like humorous way. 
<laughs> I'm just hoping that this is actually your grandfather because he I, he's literally like quoting scripture to me. He was like, "Tell her to forgive her fa- her her sister, for she knows not what she does." I think he would might have been like familiar with scripture because when he was um, and he might have been more religious than I think he was because I don't think he went to church a lot, but that doesn't mean he wasn't religious. My mom told me that when he was, you know, very old and kind of in a decline, you know, and probably after the dementia set in, she walked in on him in his room once or something and he was saying the Lord's Prayer. Okay, well then maybe this is him, but he literally was like, tell her to forgive her sister because like, for they know not what they do, basically. Okay. Her sister doesn't understand why she is the way that she is. I need her to understand that her sister's response to her has nothing to do with her. Her sister doesn't even understand herself or why she does things. Okay. She didn't understand when she was a kid either. Right. Was your sister really close with your dad? Do you know? Um, I think we were both really close with him. We were just so young and he had a job just before he died where he was gone a lot. He would leave for like months at a time. So, um, but I think we were pretty close with him. I think he was a really great dad. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm getting though, is like, she's just fucking angry at the world for taking him from her. Like, oh, okay. Because she felt like, thank you. That's why I said like, Air, is there somebody else? And she was like, her grandfather's here and he has something really important to tell her. So this is all going to make this make a little bit more sense for you. Because your mom kind of boobied you because you were sickly when you were younger, your sister was like, dad is mine. Dad is my person. Does that make sense? And so when he passed away, she just felt angry as shit because like she was like, this was, he was my person and he's gone now. Yeah. Like for you, you still felt like, well, I still have mom. And for her, it was like, I don't have the one person that I felt like, you know, saw me and like understood me like that, you know, essentially like I was his favorite. Okay. That's kind of how she saw it. And that, you know, I, I was so young that it's hard for me to even know. Right, but you know, she was but seven. That could definitely be. Yeah, she was young too. Yeah. Well, right. But at seven, seven versus five, as far as like remembering memories and stuff, seven, I don't know about you, but like I have a lot of memories from like kindergarten on. Yeah, that's there's a big Pre, difference. Pre-kindergarten's a little weird, right? Yeah. So, and by that age, I think she had already started building that resentment of like, why does she get so much attention and I don't? Okay. And then your mom checked out and then she just felt like nobody was there to give her attention. And then she kind of felt responsible for you, even though she was only two years older than you. Yeah. And I think she kind of. She resented you for it. Felt responsible for my mom. She did. He said her sisters had a hard life. Right. Forgive her for she knows not what she does. Okay. He wants me to let you know he's proud of you. Thank you. She's grown into a nice young lady. Aww. He said she always had such a big giving heart. 
I don't want it to I don't want to see it be her downfall is what he just said. Okay. What does he mean by that? He said that sensitivity she has towards others, she she's got to stop internalizing it. She takes on some things that aren't hers sometimes. Okay. I'm definitely like a giant empath. Yeah, that's I picked that up off of you, but like he's outright saying it. Okay. That's why I was saying earlier that like you're real sensitive to other people's energy. And so as a kid, you soaked it up like a sponge without even really recognizing it. Sure. But he's referring to like now in adulthood. Yeah. He's telling me that you need to turn that love in on yourself. Okay. To feel that empathy for yourself. He goes, tell her. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know about that. He goes, tell her, tell her. So he he's telling me to tell you that I gave you good advice as far as like shutting people out of your world, um, energetically speaking, so that you can really kind of understand your feelings better. Gotcha. He told me that you were always like such a social butterfly. Like you always had friends and you always had to like kind of be around people. And so that's like part of the reason that you have kind of a hard time digesting your own emotions. It's because it's like other people's shit gets mingled in with it. Okay. Okay. He's showing me a birthday party. Okay. Like literally with like the paper cone hats on and like the kids like running around. Okay. He's on the back deck or back patio. I don't think, I don't know if it's a deck or a patio. It's showing up to me as a, a concrete slab, but it could be a deck with like a backyard outside. And he's like drinking something out of like a, a highball glass. Is that a highball? The, the short one? Yeah. You would think I would know this. I used to bartend. <laughs> okay. He's showing me someone falling down and scraping their knee. Well, I know I did that a few times. I, I don't recall if my grandpa was ever around, but. Obviously, he was. <laughs> okay. So he's showing me you like hopping back up and like dusting yourself off and like continuing to run around despite the fact that your knee was all bloody. Okay. He said she's tough. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's what I said. He's like, she doesn't give herself enough credit. That's what I said. That's literally what I said. She's a tough girl. She should remember that. He goes, I'm sorry, woman. He goes, she'll always be a little girl to me, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. He goes, well, you tell her that I love her. Her dad's here. I'm here. We're all fine. Okay. That's nice to hear because, you know, it's been so long since my dad passed. I've never had him, like, come through on a reading. Not that I've even done, done a lot of medium psychic reading in general, but it feels very far removed. So it's nice to know that he mentioned that he's there and they're good. Is that his son? Or is that his? Oh, it's no, his son-in-law. It Correct. Okay. So I asked, like, why your dad hadn't come through, and he said that your dad's kind of, like, getting prepared to be reincarnated. 
Interesting. And that when they're in that energy, it's it's like harder for them to come through on mediums because they're like preparing to transition, basically. Okay. He goes, I'll be here for a while, though. <laughs> I'm not ready to come back to that place yet. He said that was a doozy of right. a lifetime. So he did just give me like some confirmation feelings on your mom and told me that essentially um, she she does feel a lot of guilt about like the life that you've right. had. And that's why she's kind of avoiding it. Avoiding. Kind of acknowledging some of that stuff, like where she's like, I don't remember any of that. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of knew that. Okay, but he did just tell me that, like, you're the cycle breaker. Okay. He said she's the one in the family who's going to stop all of this from progressing. All the unhealthy dynamic. Yeah, and he's kind of showing me, like, a, a female lineage from, like, you to your mom to her mom to her mom to her mom and so on. Yeah. That makes sense. All my aunts. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, he just said, tell her she can do it. I know she can. I believe in her. Oh, thank you. She just needs to pick herself up off the ground. No, it's just a scab knee and keep going. Right. That's why he was showing you that. That was a pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and start all over again pep talk. Okay. He was like, you've done it before. You can do it now. Right. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thank you. He's so cute. Can I just like. I know he was kind of a little stern and like a little biblical feeling, but he just said, thank you for connecting us, young lady. I I, I appreciate it. And like walked off. That's so sweet. That sounds like my grandpa. He's very sweet. Like, what a cute old he, he is. Yes. Super cute. Okay. Aaron was like, that was it. There's no one else waiting right now. So. Okay. Well, thank you. I hope you got a lot out of today. Oh, I definitely did. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Hopefully this wasn't as scary as you thought it was. No, I was just, I've never done anything like this before. At least not that's going to be posted anywhere, you know? No, I get it. I get it. Like I said, I, I wouldn't do these, so. <laughs> yeah. I'm, pr I'm proud of me. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Like, this was a big deal. Yeah. This was you getting outside of your comfort zone. Right. So like now that you've done this, use this to kind of drive the boat on the other things that you're scared of, like, you know, swimming or spiders or you're like, I did that and I actually got something really great out of it. And I got that feeling of feeling proud of myself afterward. Yeah. So if I do that with this other thing, I get to feel proud of myself again. That's how you tap into that warrior energy. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Feeling fear is totally normal. Okay. But. And like even like people who are not like fearful people necessarily still feel fear. They just push through it. Like they differentiate. They have a discernment of like this is fear because this is unsafe and this is fear because I'm just scared of it. So once you get into like this is fear because I'm just scared of it, that's when you go fuck it and you push through like you did today. Right. You can do it. Your grandpa's right. Like. You have picked yourself up and dusted yourself off a shitload of times. 
So like, keep going. You're, you're doing great. You are definitely on the right path. And not just because of the angel numbers. Like I can tell you're on the right path because I can see it. Okay. Thank you. But you got to keep going. Don't stall yourself out by getting complacent and going like, I feel a little bit better. So now I can stop working on myself. Like really buckle down and do the work because that's how you get out of stagnancy. Okay. And by doing that, you just have to get brutally self-aware and be honest with yourself about literally everything. Like not just about you, but about the people around you, everyone. Right. Once you get all of that truth out in front of you, then you can start making some decisions on like, this will improve my life. This will help with the stagnancy. Okay. But you're feeling stagnant because you got a shitload of weight weighing you down. Right. So you got to start removing those things and shedding that weight, right? And that's that emotional weight. Yeah. But I'm, I'm very, very proud of you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, this, this has been a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. It's been it's been a pleasure for me too. You had some very cool people come through tonight. Cool. You know, usually it's like people's family members only and that's always like a little weird cuz I'm like, I don't know what the dynamic was between you guys when when you were alive and maybe this person's not too jazzed to see you, but right. Like everybody showed up with a lot of love for you tonight. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on and uh for listeners Oh, I hate doing this bit, but if you could please just like and subscribe and share the posts, share with your friends and family, anybody you think might actually get something out of this. You know, I I really want this show to grow via word of mouth because I feel like everyone can get something out of someone else's story. And if nothing else, everyone can get something out of knowing that people don't just die and disappear. They live on in other realms. So I would just appreciate it if you would help us grow it. (laughs) And in case no one has told you lately, you are loved.